This episode of the AFTN Soccer Show is brought to you by Recovery Family Law. Recovery Family Law is here to help you solve your family law problems. If you are going through a separation or divorce, they can provide you the confidence to make good decisions and support to enforce your rights. If you have a question about property, children or support, they have the answers. It's not too late or too early to get help. Email info at recoveryfamilylaw.ca or visit recoveryfamilylaw.ca and let their team get you excellent results. Are you sitting comfortably? Then we'll begin. Welcome back, my friends, to the show that never ends. There's still time, the AFTN Soccer Show. Broadcasting on CITR Radio, 101.9 FM, from the unceded Musqueam Territory at the University of Beautiful. It's very windy here, British Columbia. I'm Michael McCall. And I'm Zachary Adam Eisenheimer. You got a touch of the wind out there in the interior? Up your uh, hill? Uh, yeah, well, did I tell you about... I got... A couple of weeks ago, we had a really bad wind where the tree fell off. Or oh, broke no. In half. no. I didn't tell you. Yeah, there was a tree our neighbor, in our neighbor's backyard that broke in half and collided Ooh. with the side of our house. Yeah. Wow. Well, hopefully, that's not, doesn't provide lasting issues. <laughs> no, I, it did get very, very windy here this afternoon, but it, it seems all calm now because I was like, I hope the power doesn't go out before we record this five hour oh, yeah. marathon. The power went out here. Oh no, it was an accident. I think, yeah. There's this one pole that always gets hit on the way up. Oh, poor guy. <laughs> it's not like Lewandowski or something. <laughs> um, no, there's this one hydro pole that uh, that has been hit more than one time. And it uh, was it last night or the night before? I think it was Friday night. It got hit again. So my wife woke up and she said, "Oh yeah, the the all the the power had gone out in the middle of the night because the all the clocks were whatever." Oh. And then there was issues throughout the day with, uh, you know, uh, Wi-Fi and stuff. And I checked it and they're like, yeah, <laughs> it's due to something that happened. And we, we drove by it and I was like, oh, yeah, this is obviously, <laughs> that fence is gone and they're working on that pole. Like, yeah. Well, this might be snow coming this week. Tomorrow. Or sorry, Monday. Yeah, Monday, Tuesday. Today, some would say. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We, we started this on Sunday. It's Monday now. We're recording this in various orders, the, the show this week. So, yeah, we're trying to remember what we've said in the, in the, the parts <laughs> to come so we don't mention it again. 
just just the way it's worked out with some guests because we have a lot of football chat to come this is another bumper show this is going to be another three-hour one and that is involving me cutting out an interview that we've already done this week and an oh, interview yeah. that i'm doing tomorrow that will now be in, in future shows yeah. otherwise this would be oh, a no, five-hour no. show the one we've done was a really fun one. I, oh yeah, I, I really enjoyed that. So that's that'll come in next week's show. I'm looking forward to that. But we, we wanted to focus with the MLS season kicking mm-hmm. off. MLS is back. I do like that as a as a hashtag and them them launching the league. And it's been the first weekend of action. We'll get into that over the course of the show. We'll look at the Whitecaps as they get set to kick off their 2024 MLS season. We're going to take a deep dive into the Western Conference, what might lie ahead for the other teams in there. Felipe Vallejo is joining us to talk about Mm -hmm. that. And it's been another fun-filled, action-packed week off the pitch in Canadian soccer as the Canadian Women's National Team Players Union is suing current and former board members of Canada Soccer for $40 million. And we're going to be joined by Darnell Smith in part four to chat about that. But I I have to start the show uh, with an apology. And it's not something that we have had to do in the previous 601 episodes of the show. But I just felt it was only right to, to start with an apology. People will have heard me mention on last week's show that I was a big fan of Orlando City's kit. It was my kit of the year I've now seen it twice worn by humans (laughs) and I fucking hate it (laughs) I'm glad you've seen the light Michael it is horrible I don't know what colour kit I saw it is not the colour kit that they are running about wearing Uh, those colours do not look good together no it is not nice at all I still like the three headed badge Um, I, I do like my Greek mythology and stuff of the elk but it is a horrible kit yeah and but we'll get into a little bit later on there's a few kits i've seen this weekend that i either liked and now i don't or i didn't like and i do but i I think my top ones now are fc cincinnati i just love just the the white the colors i think it goes well no you don't and minnesota's (laughs) ones right up there again and seattle's ones continuing to, to grow in me as well and i do like the white caps yeah i haven't seen i haven't seen the i've seen some pictures of the white caps one it'll be interesting to see it in, yeah i haven't like, seen it in person actually so it'll be interesting to yeah. to see when when i'm rubbing ryan gold to wish him luck that's what we do in <laughs> scotland but yeah we'll, we'll talk white caps in a soon i i do actually want to start with yeah. some sad news really in the introduction when i get this mentioned right away I'm sure many of you will have seen the news over the the weekend, but Honduran striker Albert Elise, former Houston Dynamo player, has been involved in a horrific on-pitch accident over in France, playing for Bordeaux, only 34 seconds into the game, and he suffered a horrific collision, head knock, that has seen him put in an, an induced coma. He's had an operation on Sunday as Club Bordeaux have issued a statement saying that they're not going to know anything more for the next few days as to what this means for him. Just not just as a player, but as a as a person. Is it going to be like some damage? 
what it means. We won't speculate anything at all. It it's just it's just awful, awful stuff, Zach. Yeah, so so tragic. I saw you post about it uh, on X or Twitter or whatever you want to call it, and uh, I didn't. Yeah, I just I read. I didn't look look at anything because when I read stuff, I was like, I don't I don't want to see what happened. Yeah. Oh no, um, I, haven't, I haven't watched anything. I, oh, okay. Because there's clips doing as well. I do not want to see that no. at all. He he's in the prime of his career. I think he's like 28 years old, and uh, yeah, such a great great attacking footballer yeah. uh, did so well in in mls of course and it's always a guy we said oh we'd love him here oh yeah and it's been cool to see him go over to portugal and, and then now to france and yeah just yeah praying for him to recover um the, the la pantarita uh the little panther probably butchered that pronunciation but the little panther i loved his panther celebration when he scored goals and yeah um, yeah, just yeah, praying that he'll he'll be able to re recover from this. It, it's just it's just hard to fathom that that this happened. And obviously, when you read someone's been put into an induced coma, it's obviously concerning. It, it does happen sometimes when they have mm -hmm. to to do stuff. So I mean, it's not all doom and gloom just now. But the next few days are obviously going to be massive for his recovery, and we just wish him all the very best and fingers crossed that he does get a, an absolutely full recovery it's like whether it means he's playing again or whatever that's the least important thing just now it's just that he gets through this and pulls through for for him and his family so all the best to albert elise will be thinking of you over the next few days also want to start with a, another sad thing as well and just say a, a big r.i.p to chris gothier uh, I don't know if you're familiar with oh. Chris Sack. He's a local oh. actor. Oh. Um, uh, he, he, English-born, lives in Vancouver, lived in Vancouver, and was in Once Upon a Time, uh, Eureka, a number of other shows as well. Huge football fan, huge Whitecaps fan, went to Whitecaps matches. I've interacted with him many times on Twitter. He listened to the show played in the, the Whitecaps uh, celebrity games that, that they had. Sadly, passed away this weekend, aged just 48, after a, a short illness. So our thoughts go out to, mm. to Chris's family as well. He always came across as a really nice, wonderful guy. So RIP, Chris. Yeah. Sad way to, to start the show. But no easy way to transition into that. But we will get into the football chat now. And something that we talked about in last week's show, and we're going to focus on the Whitecaps in this part, but we mentioned what is happening with the Canadian Championship. What is happening with the draw? When will we find out anything? Very soon after the show, as it turned out. <laughs> because the format was announced and then the draw, I'm using that in inverted commas, was made on Friday. I believe it was a draw. All I'll say is I spoke to someone connected with one of the clubs involved that as of Thursday didn't know that they were being invited to a draw on Friday. I'll just leave it at that. But yeah, the format and draw for the 2024 Canadian Championship is drawn, played across 19 total matches, culminating with the final in late September. 14 clubs will represent five different leagues. 
The opening stage, the preliminary round, still like to call it the first round, will be played in a single match format, as the whole fucking tournament should be, with 12 clubs entering into West and East regionalised brackets. Six preliminary round matches will be played between April 23rd and the 1st of May, and I kind of think most of them's probably going to be played more towards the 1st of May. The six clubs that get through those preliminary round games will advance to the quarterfinals where they will join defending champs the Whitecaps and beaten finalists CF Montreal who receive the first round buys. The quarterfinal phase is then played in a two-match home and away series format with matches played throughout May. The four remaining clubs will then advance to the semi-final stage which will also be a two-legged affair and that will see the first leg played between the 9th and the 10th of July, and the second leg played at the end of August. Yeah. What is happening with this? It's like you, the changes in your, your club from the beginning of this tournament to the the first leg of the semifinals, let alone the second leg of the semifinals, are drastic, right? Yeah. Like, it, it is... I don't know why they're doing this. I, you and I you and I have talked a bunch about this yeah. since it happened uh it, it makes no sense like it it like there's some stuff that there's there's it's like some stuff is there's been progress but then they this year seem to be taking some steps backwards in my opinion and i think yours for the most part mm-hmm. but this this is one of the why they used to say to teams like tss your your beloved tss michael you the club you own um they used to say that you know, you guys can't be in this competition because you won't actually have a team when the final takes place. Mm-hmm. Well, now they've allowed you know uh, League One uh, BC club uh, in or clubs in through the uh, you know through the pathway that they have along with you know League One Ontario or whatever, and those clubs won't won't have access to those players if they yeah. somehow went on a run. Yeah, if and the Highlanders go on a run, all their guys yeah. are back at college. <laughs> yeah, it it, it just. I don't know, and I know before, I, I, you know, again, you and I talked about this, I know before they had to condense the tournament due to um, having to have a qualifier so that that qualifier could then participate in, I think, right away in like yeah, August. Yeah, Champions or League or the group yeah. stages started group in August. Stage, yeah, so that, like, that made sense. But now that it doesn't, and I know you want to avoid fixture congestion, and I know M- the MLS teams have League's Cup, and I know there are reasons, but why is it spread out so bloody much? Well, like, I have so many questions about this. I, like the, We said in last week's show, or I said in last week's show, surely we have moved away from two-legged cup teams. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Like, in England, it, it's straight knockout, and they're even getting rid of replays now. The the Carabao Cup is the weird one that the semi-finals are home and away. But if you're going to have a two-legged tournament, why is the final not over two legs? Well, because that I think because they they've seen how the they've seen the the excitement that the one leg brought last year. I mean, look, TSS is you look no further than TSS. Their two games were incredibly exciting and enthralling. Mm-hmm. And I know what they're going to say. They're going to say, oh, look, we kept it for the final. And if you're, you know, Highlanders or, you know, Simcoe or the the Quebec team that, you know, the Quebec team, uh, St. Laurent, uh, you know, they're still, they would say, oh, they can still have that, you know, they can win that first game. And then they get another, they get a home game and an away game. Like, it, it, but no, it needs to be competitively. It, I think it needs to be the same. It needs to be single the whole way. It, yeah. it, like it makes the most sense 
it deals with fixture congestion. It deals with, um, uh, I think, just fa fairness overall. Um, you know, if you're one of those teams that get knocked out, knocked out in the first round, are you not going to be saying, man, I wish we had a second leg? Plus, one of the great things about the Cup, which was, you know, shown last year by TSS, has been shown by Pacific, has been shown by Cavalry, uh, even, uh, yeah, has been shown by other clubs, is the single elimination does provide a bigger chance, a bigger probability of the lower seeded team actually having a chance. And why you would remove that to me is, you know, is not ideal. No. It's, a step, it's a step backwards. It's also, it's dragging the tournament out over five months. Yeah. Oh, it's unneeded. That's just, and it's like, this This is at a time where the MLS and US Open Cup and stuff are, are at loggerheads about stuff. And it's like, Canada Soccer's like, hey, let's just drag ours out even more. And yeah. now you're going to have more teams in it next year. And I want more teams in it. I want to open up even more and allow more League One teams in. But it's, there's now a seeding aspect to it on points earned from knockout stages, like from quarterfinals onwards. So like TSS getting that win last year doesn't earn anything for the League One uh, yeah. coefficient, if we're looking at it in, yeah. in UEFA terms. I, I, I just don't get this. And I know the no. CPL clubs were pushing they wanted the two-legged games. I don't know why. I don't know why either, unless it's like just to rake some money in that they want a money earner. When you're spending the money that they are on travel, I don't understand why you want more. You're asking for more travel, even though it's regionalized at at at, at the whatever first second rounds. Yeah. The other thing, and I, I, this was your point that you made to me, which I agree with more and more and more, and I don't know why I didn't think of it, is is uh, Montreal should not have a buy. A yep. losing finalist should not have a buy. It should you should be have a buy for winning something. It yep. should be, in my opinion, it should be Cavalry FC should have a buy for winning the uh, the the Canadian yeah, Premier the League, League, season. Yeah. League competition. Yeah, yeah, them or like Forge for winning the whole thing. It's like either one of those that should be the buy. Now, the obviously, only, with the, more the, teams the, coming in next year, there might not be buys. But the only the only whole thing that Forge won was the playoffs. True. The, the semi-finals as well, because it's it's regionalized up to the semis. And then they're going to redraw the semis. Now, that I like, because yeah. we did speak on last week's show, even yeah. as a Whitecaps fan, it's not fair yeah. on Toronto and Montreal if you're never going to see the Whitecaps play an MLS team and have a, a potential run to the final every year. So I'm totally yeah. fine with that. Draw, draw it. I think it should be an open draw just in general. I'd like to see the draw. Not that yeah. I'm doubting that there's any shadiness going on, but let's look at the draw. And it's like, hmm, this is a bit... Well, the, the day before, I had been told something that I shared with you that didn't yeah. prove to be true, at least. So there was that aspect of it. But it didn't, Essentially, what you're, in part, what you're saying is that the schedule or the sorry the the matchups do not mirror that of the Northern Tribune article that was talking about the CSL or CPL's uh desired matchups or whatever, right? Yeah, which I, I think if it had, they they could yeah. not have done that. No. But you do look it's, at the matchups. Yeah, that's been drawn. That there's there's regionalized and then there's hey, let's let's do this. So it's cavalry against Vancouver FC. And you look at this, and it's the worst possible draw, probably, for Vancouver FC. 
Yeah, I, oh, in some ways, yes. Uh, yeah, I mean, it it could be nice if the game was on April thirtieth or May first because we have a league match in in Calgary on the yeah, on conveniently some may see. Well, but the problem is though, Michael. From my understanding, is from a football ops perspective, this game would actually ideally be played on the the 22nd or 23rd or whatever. All oh, right, first, so the first be, week of availability. Because that would give us the best space between the matches. I'm wondering what, how the financial people <laughs> would feel about that because mm. if you can save money on another flight and out there, then maybe it's it, it's better, but yeah. And the, the winner of that, of course, goes on to play the Whitecaps over two games. So could we see the Vancouver Derby that we're all wanting? Uh, well, it's I mean, going to be tough, or is it going to be another rematch between Cavalry and Whitecaps? I mean, on paper, yeah, you, you the Cavalry is the favorite over Vancouver, and on the seeding, especially with on the paper, first game at Spruce Meadows, yeah, on history, yeah, in history, yeah. Um, I mean, Vancouver C also has a very limited history in this competition, but it's a bit of a bitter one because it was one that was, you know, we lost stolen from them. We we lost on a, a horrible, horrible penalty call that was never a penalty uh, and would never have been given with VAR uh, for example because it was clear and obvious there was uh, an, a high embellishment and not a foul anyways that's me, yeah. me uh, we, 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 we won't revisit history yeah that's not yeah yeah Cavalry is, is certainly the, the favourites for this and you're still toying with the idea of trying to do the double header if it pans out that way I, I, last year I, I'm really disappointed I didn't go to the the June game in, in Calgary that we had for a league match. Um, and so this year, I think we have a September and a May match, and I don't think I can do the September one, if, if memory serves me correct. So I really want to try and get to that the Friday, May 3rd game. Um, and and so I'm waiting until the draw gets, or sorry, the, the, match, the, the date and time gets announced, and then I'll make my decision if I'm going to go and if I'm able to go for both uh, and or just the, the one on May 3rd or even worst case of all, not make it to either. Yeah, I'm I'm hoping if, if it ends up Cavalry Whitecaps to, to head back through again, because I, I really enjoyed my trip through there the last time. Mm. A, another Western matchup, Atletico Ottawa, that well-known Western side, taking on Valor FC. Well, we, and we knew there was always going to be one team coming over, right? Yeah, I know. And um, it was always going to be against Valor. Yeah, so that's fine. But the, the big one, the Island Derby... Pacific FC, Victoria Highlanders, and this is one that I want played in the second week of the window because... Mm. Oh, yeah, you. I, I can't reveal everything why, but I'm going to be on the island that weekend, and I would say the Provincial Cup is taking place that weekend in the island as well, and if I can hang around a few extra days to take in Pacific Highlanders... That would be fantastic. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I, dude, I, I really hope that works out for you. This is going to be a special day and a bit of an awkward day, right? Because you have the Lakeside Boys, who originally formed around yeah. some Victoria Highlanders, and then as the CPL came, you know, uh, came on the scene, they put the 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 focal point of their support and changed their colors. I think in part or in essence, or have dual colors or dual badges or whatever and support Pacific FC, and now they're playing each other. So uh, it's going to be really yeah. interesting. But well, they, they also voted in their bylaws that they are now just a Pacific FC oh, supporter. I forgot group. about that. Yeah, so they 
there's but, a lot of them still go and watch the Highlanders, but they're not the official supporters but, group anymore for the Highlanders. But the old school dudes, I think their their allegiance is with the Highlanders. Yeah, I, I was chatting to Mike last year after the, the TSS Highlanders game, and uh, there's a few guys still go, but definitely nowhere near no. as much as there was. But that's going to be an absolutely special occasion. Mm-hmm. It's Forge against York. Very local. The 905 Halifax, Yeah, Halifax against CS San Laurent. I like Halifax, but I also like CS San Laurent. I, I like what they've done on the youth side, and it was great to see them then take that into League One Quebec. I commentated on their under-17 nationals, and their whole setup is fantastic there. And I, I, I was stunned by this. TFC got the easiest tie they could have got. Simcoe yeah. County Rovers. And that's the thing, right, Michael? When you look at these six matches, four to the six uh, are absolutely like the uh, absolute ideal that I think the the higher seeds, the, the league, the leagues, or maybe even CPL, and definitely the CSA would want, right? And so that's yeah. why people, when you don't have a fully transparent public draw, and this comes out, people yeah. are like, uh, Coco "Yeah, always sure. ask questions because TFC, if they get if they get past Simcoe, wouldn't bet on that. Um, and see, his San Laurent could get past Halifax. They could play two League One sides on their way through yeah. to the semi final, which is nuts. So yeah, we'll see how all that plays out. But the Whitecaps, can they go for the three peat? It would be historic for them. Keeping my fingers crossed because I want to be in Champions League again, Champions Cup. I, I I enjoy it. The club want to be in it as well, and hopefully now all those rumours that were going around, which we debunked and I debunked in a couple of shows that was on as well. The Canadian clubs never wanted to pull out of the Canadian Championship. Ignore what's happening down in the US, which is terrible. The US Open Cup, as we've talked about, mm-hmm. but I, I can't speak for. TFC in Montreal, but the Whitecaps want to be in the Canadian Championship. Oh, yeah. They cherish and they value this tournament. So put all the thoughts of that aside. So let's move on to the Whitecaps just for a little bit to round this part off because their season gets underway this coming Saturday, 4 30 kickoff. They are at home to Charlotte FC. Scotty Arfield coming back to Canada. The Clits came away. With a, that's their nickname, isn't it? The Crown, the Clits, well, one of the It's other. your nickname for them. For it's sure. my nickname for them. Came away with a 1-0 home win over New York City FC in their opener. Didn't look that great. I, I thought they were the better team. Yeah. Uh, New York City had had their chances. I do still like the, the NYC kit. Karen Vargas missed a second-half penalty as well for Charlotte. But I, I feel the Whitecaps, this is definitely a home opener they, they can win. Yeah, they could, they, they could, and they they should they should take advantage of 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 playing a an East Coast club, uh, an Eastern Conference club. Uh, yeah, bumper crowd as well. Over thirty thousand oh, yeah. will, will be in it at this one. But let let's look at how ready we feel the Whitecaps are for this season. Mm-hmm. They're going into it with a few injuries. There's a few people banged up. Brian White's got a knock. Yeah, uh, Utfix got a knock as well. Mm-hmm. Pedro Vite. I'd I'd seen some folk were saying how how they some someone actually messaged me and said how can they be this injured the season hasn't started yet it's like <laughs> it has they've just played two competitive games yeah, against a game. Mexican team and they've been in pre-season since the second week of January 
It's like they have been on the pitch for a while and playing competitively and Brian White's been away with the, the US national team. I, I don't know if it's just the online fan base because I'm in a couple of groups. I read Discord and uh, Facebook is awful. The, the, one of the supporters pages on there just for the negativity around the team. And there's so many folks that, oh, hey, typical Whitecaps, they haven't spent any money again and they haven't haven't brought in anybody that's going to really make a difference or strengthen the team. I totally disagree with that. I I feel the Whitecaps now, to the Whitecaps that finished the season, is much stronger. And we're going to look at the rest of the West in the parts two and parts three. There's not a lot of other teams out there just now that I'm looking at going, they're way stronger than the Whitecaps. It's a couple of things that are strange about this for, for me, Michael. I, I, not from reading stuff online, but I've just been like, hey, they they haven't really do, done a lot to really improve the team in big ways. But then a couple of things about that. One is I actually looked on, on the, the MLS transaction page, right? And I was just like, okay, the players they've lost are all like youth players, right? Like mm-hmm. three youth players, essentially. And a guy who never performed here and was already out on loan in 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 Caillou. And then the one player that they really lost that you could say contributed last year was Simon Betcher. Yeah. And that's not scored a, on his debut for Horsens as well in a yes, 2-1 defeat this yes. weekend. So well and, done, and Simon. And that's not a huge loss. And you look at players they added. Uh okay, Krylak, Pico, uh, the Norwegian defender, uh, and Bendik, right? Are kind of the and Halbuni, of course, too. But um they have, I would say, marginally in, improved their squad. Um, I think P, how Pico and Krylak do, I think, is questionable. But I think they actually have overall improved the squad. So my thinking was wrong. I thought, oh, they haven't really done that that much. But actually, I think they have. Whether it's a it's a medium amount or a great amount or just a little amount is still to be seen. But the other thing for me in this, Michael, that is a, is a big factor. And like we're going to talk about in the next part is stranger than other years where I feel like um, all the other teams in MLS have recruited significantly more than the Whitecaps or better than the Whitecaps. I don't feel like all the teams, especially thinking about the Western Conference, have done that. Now, some have. Don't get me wrong. Some have. And there's been some big money spent. But, but not I, necessarily on big names. No, which is maybe not a bad thing for those clubs, actually. But anyways, w- one of the things we've always talked about, I, I think even up to, I think maybe even including last year, is we would come to, or maybe it stopped last year, but I think up until last year, we would come to this point in, in the year, Michael, and we would say the Whitecaps have never improved their squad more than they have this year, with the caveat that I think every other team mm-hmm. in their conference has improved their squad by even more. And so I think going into this year, barring these injuries and these, you know, the if you can call the Champions League knockout a setback, um, but barring barring the injuries that they have right now, I think they go like I I think they go into this season with uh, a really good chance at being like a top four club in the Western Conference. I I agree. I I've got them. It, I we're not doing our our usual sort of placings that we do in our preview shows. We'll talk about that in the next part. But I, I did it just for my own se- se- self to look at. I've got Vancouver third. 
Yeah. And it's like, aside from LAFC in Seattle, I look around the West and I'm like, there's no one blowing me away that they're way, way better. And it, it, it's all going to come down to consistency. It's all going to come down to productivity. Like, can Brian White do it again? Can Ryan Gold do it again? Now, Ryan Gold started slow last year. Mm. And look what he did. If we have a Ryan Gold that's throughout the season, uh, it's yeah. about rotating the squad well, using depth. I think our depth has got stronger. Yeah, it, I mean, the, the thing about God, Gold last year is it wasn't even starting slow. It was the fact that he injured his head mm. and that messed him up. It wasn't just like, oh, he had bad performances. It's like, no, he got con uh, concussions or con was it two last year? I can't remember now. Two. So yeah, he got these concussions that didn't just set him back and make him miss games. I think it made him not himself when he did return right away. It was a slow return, which made the beginning of the year for him and therefore the club for which he's the focal point not, not perform as well. Now, I, I do also want to say this, though, because I think as much as I do think they can be a top, like in, even if just fourth, a top four club in the Western Conference in the MLS, I still think that fans and, you know, pundits and whatever have do have a valid perspective that if Greg Kerfoot and Axel Schuster in their in their deliberations and in their planning, if they were willing to uh, have two more, one or two more significant DPs, uh, I, I think they only have one slot, slot currently yeah. available. But if they were to have one, at least one, or maybe eventually two DPs that were in that above, let's say above 3 million uh, transfer value, maybe even wage area, I think they would be... They could be in a battle with those top three clubs, like, like almost like a certain battle. The way we will talk about like an LAFC and a Seattle, uh, and maybe who else? Is it? Maybe, I guess St. Louis was in that picture last year, but yeah, yeah. But outside of those two, though, there isn't anybody that you're looking at as oh, they're they're gonna just like rip through the the conference. For years, the West seemed the stronger conference, but recently it's been the East, and this mm. season. You look at the teams in the East and you're like, wow, some great additions there. And we obviously won't we won't do what Don Garber wants us to, to do, which <laughs> is not talk about Messi. And that's an interesting thing. It's like you bring Messi in, Apple TV, like you go into the app, as you have seen this weekend, yeah, yeah, and yeah. Messi's everywhere. And he's like, it's lazy journalism. Everyone's just covering Messi. It's like you forced him down everyone's throats. Yeah. And what are you expecting? I, I, I'm just picking this player because I know we've just talked about him in, in the bits to come. It's like, are you expecting them all to go crazy about Jan Grigus? Yeah. It's like, <laughs> of course they're going to cover Messi. And it's like, yeah. in Vancouver, we don't. We concentrate on the local team, which yeah. I'm pretty sure is the same throughout all the other teams in the league as well. So I think that did a lot of disservice to, to journalists by, by saying that. I'm like tiring everyone. I know I rubbed her up the wrong way because I was talking to her about it and she did some little sarcastic tweets about it. I mean, there's no doubt the Whitecaps still do need to strengthen and they need a wing back, right wing back, because Richie Larea is not yeah. coming. He's gone to TFC. Which is, what we, which is what we and many other people said was going to happen. Yeah. I mean, last year we thought it was an option as soon as Herman got the job. Yeah. But he wants to be with his family and I can't fault him for that. 
And that, that's that been another thing that the fans are like, oh, Whitecaps, cheap, they didn't want to pay the, the transfer fee and stuff. And then TFC's got him cheap. It's like, it was never anything to do with the money. And also, Forrest were trying to get more, but they couldn't, and they need to get players off their books. So they're quite happy with this. And it's worked out well for Richie. I'm happy for him. Not a great start lumping out of the game with it. Looked like his hammy went today. Oh, but yeah. That, that was worrying because it looked like it was a lot worse. And haven't had a total feedback as to what it was, but I think it might just be might just be a hamstring, which could be worse. And, and as uh, much as that wasn't a spectacular match, that actually was a good start for their side to get yeah. a, road, a road draw. I mean, against the, against the, the, the supporter shield holders, yeah, right? Yeah, don't want to praise TFC at the best of times, but they did well. They did what they needed to do. They could have sneaked a win yes. as well. Yeah. And they looked tired towards the end. Maybe not as tired as Inter Miami did at times. I, I loved your <laughs> message to me about oh, yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, you were like, oh, they could look tired of there. I was like, yeah, it's almost like they're a team that's been traveling around the world. Yeah, they're in end of season shape at the moment to start their season. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They, they just look like a team of, ah, we can't really be bothered. Let's just turn it on in the last few minutes and see what if we can sneak something. And, and they and did. They did. That that was an interesting game as well when when Messi scored and you heard the cheers in the stadium and the Messi Messi because I do wonder what it's going to be like at BC Place. Oh, I had the I had the volume off. Oh so I, no, I it, it was a loud cheer oh, and that's the fans were dotted throughout the stadium, not in the supporters end, thankfully. No, yeah. and I do hope the Whitecaps make it clear: no Argentina shirts, no Messi shirts in the supporters area. Because it's well, going to lead to. I think. Just... I think. I think what you'll have is the GA that definitely won't be allowed. Now, the what the Whitecaps did in MLS and saying these eight sections are supporter sections. Mm-hmm. I don't know how much um, they'll be allowed in those yeah. eight sections, no, but the, the, the GA one, the one for sure. Yeah, the yeah. GA that will be that'll be um, monitored heavily. I saw someone had posted on the, the Facebook group, someone is selling their season ticket and the games are $110 for a pair, apart from the Miami game that's 1400 <laughs> You're going to see this constantly. Folk are going to just be... Well, here's I, mean, a great... I, I said to you, I toyed with it. It's a yeah, moneymaker. Oh, no, I think the, the crazy world we live in, people are going to get crazy money for those games. Yeah. Like, I know there are there are people literally... Um, I forget who they are because I knew I knew I knew at least one of them I saw who it's like yeah I don't I'm okay not to see Messi play and I'm happy for my season ticket for this year or this year and next year be paid for mm-hmm. and I I can't honestly I can't fault them for trying to do that and I don't I, think I don't either I don't, I don't think it's highly unlikely that someone will will buy those tickets yeah. because well look look I'm look at what people are paying for these like. Concert tickets to I don't know oh, Taylor uh, Swift and Taylor yeah. Swift and whatever. I I know a student who this summer uh, I think it's maybe a mother daughter trip. They're flying to to like Warsaw to go see Taylor Swift in wow. Warsaw because getting tickets there is easier and cheaper and whatever. Yeah. And it's like they're gonna go have a European adventure. Someone I work with has got tickets for two of Taylor Swift's nights. Oh wow! In it's Vancouver. Like- in Vancouver, and it's like, oh, yeah. wow. Yeah. <laughs> how I know the hell someone, did you get that? I know, I know someone who has like, yeah, they got tickets for one show for the, like the three or four of them and their family, and it's like, um, but they like posted on social media like we have like we got them at face value, 
through the draw. They're not like yeah, she got hers through the draw as well. We didn't spend millions of dollars, you know, tens of thousands of dollars on the tickets. It's like whatever, and yeah. we're not selling them. We're going to this thing, so whatever. Yeah, I mean, I tried, I tried to get them to sell and, and didn't get them, but that's good because people like me shouldn't get Taylor Swift tickets. So let, let's just finish this part with a fun thing that we're going to do in the next two parts for the Western Conference. We're going to sum up every club in three little words. So we're going to do it for the Whitecaps to end up this part. What would your three words be to sum up the Whitecaps season for 2024, Zach? Again, I can't believe I'm saying this, and this is with the caveat of what I said before about potentially adding a significant DP or two or whatever. But I, the, I think the words are stay the course. Oh, mines are just simply top four, baby. There you go. Yes. I, I don't see others in the West as a big challenge just now, but there are a lot of teams that have not been busy with open DP spots. And you know they're going to be busy by the end of April or in the summer. So it's important that the Whitecaps get off to a fast start this year, get those points on the board. Fingers crossed they'll do it. But we're going to take a look at the Western Conference and deep dive into the comings, the goings, what might happen in 2024. And we're going to be joined by Felipe Vallejo to do that. And we'll be back with that along with a song from our album of the month after this. Hi, I'm Sam Adekubi and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. Welcome back to the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio 101.9 FM. Brought to you in partnership with recoveryfamilylaw.ca. And kicking off this part, it's our album of the month for February here at AFTN 1996's This World and Body 
from English band Marion. We're going to have two songs to wrap up their album of the month stint. That is the first of them. A fantastic one. A different change of pace as well from the other ones we've been playing. That is All For Love. We've got one more to go. And of course, we all love MLS. Well, maybe not Zach, but I love MLS. And we're joined now by somebody else that loves MLS to have a deep dive and a look ahead to what might be in store in the 2024 MLS Western Conference. Welcome back to the show, Felipe Vallejo. Hey, you got my name right this time. Thank I you. Was, I was going to say, is that close-ish? <laughs> It's you know what it's 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 good for the uh, for the English pronunciation of it. Uh, I'll take Vallejo every day of the week. I will I will uh, stick with that then. <laughs> yeah, uh, thank you for having me. I'm I'm ba- glad to be back after a little while. Yeah, well, we thought a deep dive into this. Well, a deep dive, but we're doing things a little bit differently. So, people that's listened to the show for a while, what we usually do when it's been Zach, Steve, and me is. We've gone through all the teams in the West. We've picked where we think they're going to finish from first to whatever. But the, it just keeps expanding. And there's so many teams. And let's kind of be honest here. It's a bit of a crapshoot at this stage of the season making predictions. We never revisit them anyway. So I thought, I'm, I'm going to do it a little bit differently this year. We're going to go through all of the other 13 teams in the West outside the Whitecaps. We will go alphabetical order. We'll quickly cover how they fared last year, look at some of the ins and outs. We'll get all of our thoughts on just, well, quick thoughts on how the team is looking going into 2024, touch on their first games that they've had this weekend. And then the new thing that I'm kind of going to bring in as well is we're going to give a summation of how we feel the team is or how they're going to do or how they're looking in three words or less. Three little words are always so important, whether it's I love you, McVitie's chocolate digestive, any of those things. They're all, they're all important and they're, they're all kind of the, the same. Uh, stop snoring, Annie. Another three words, which I'm now saying to my dog who is starting to snore beside me. Maybe she's not an MLS fan and she's a bit bored by this. I, I don't know. She always picks this time when we're recording to, to kind of snore. But yeah, we're going to do that and we'll look at whether we feel the teams are playoff bound, playoff worthy or not. We're going to look at seven teams in this part and another six teams in the next part and then round it off with maybe some predictions for the MLS Cup and Western Conference. So let's start where it all begins. The letter A and Austin FC. 12th last year in MLS West. 10 wins, 9 draws, 15 defeats. 12 players left the Texan side. Only six players have come mm. in so far. Forwards Will Bruin and Maxi Uruti are probably two of the key departures. Saying that, though, Uruti only got one goal last year. Bruin did get three. They've kind of been replaced with Jader O'Brien, who had six goals and five assists with Dallas last year, so that's been a good pickup. The experienced Diego Rubio as well has come in. He's got 55 goals and 35 assists in 172 career MLS appearances. So, two good additions, Felipe. What was your general thoughts on Austin right now? Um, I mean, I think last season we finally saw the, uh, the XG and injury luck that they had the season before catch up to them. 
Um, and it kind of showed uh, some of the frailties that they had in the team. Um, I really like Drew UC, but he's sort of like a one-man band at times for Austin FC and uh, needs some backup. I don't think they really lost much in their routine Bruin just because they didn't contribute all that much. Um, but then again, the recruitment this season hasn't really surprised, like impressed me all that much either. They got Diego Rubio, who's an MLS veteran, did really well for Colorado. But last season, he only got three goals and two assists. Uh, and then Javier Obrien, who's a Colombian like myself, uh, looks ah, like... Ah, so that's why player. I murdered his name as well then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Don't worry. Next time you can just uh, run, it, run it by me and I'll let you know how to say the Colombian <laughs> names. Um, but yeah, he looks pretty promising uh, after his stint with Dallas last season. But uh, yeah, still nothing gives me the impression that they're going to go uh, back to how they were two seasons ago. I feel like it's it's going to be another sort of mediocre season for Austin. Yeah. Just that... a warning for you, Felipe. You, you, you shouldn't speak ill of Will Brune because Michael loves him. Not as much oh, as I used to. Yeah, I mean, mm. I, I was wanting Will Bruin. To, to come at the Whitecaps for years. He just seemed like Every the perfect year. striker for yeah. us. And we never got him. And now, I, we're past it. We don't need him now. We've got better. It does feel like, from looking at, at yesterday's games, at, they lost the opener 2 1 mm. at home to Minnesota. And dramatic stoppage time in that game with two goals. But Brad Stuver came up huge for Austin yesterday. And you feel. He's going to need to come up big over this season because that this does feel uh, another tough one ahead for them. Yeah, he he's key uh, for sure. But so is as uh, Felipe mentioned, Dreusi, right? Like he was injured, so didn't play in that game, and that ties into for me, you know, how their season's going to play out is going to be very much t- tied to dr- how Dreusi uh, performs. A, a quick yes or no for we'll go round the ball playoffs for them, Felipe. No, I don't think so. I think they're going to miss out. I, I'm leaning towards no, but can I say bubble? Mm, yeah, yeah, because I actually have a few on the bubble. And okay. one of them, I've kind of maybe put another one in the bubble after a certain game tonight that we will come to. Yeah, for me, it's it's a no. I, I just don't see them being anywhere near good enough quality-wise to, to challenge the, for, for the playoffs. My, my three words... I'll, I'll kick this off and we'll, we'll kind of alternate who goes first with them all. But my, my three words to, to sum up or describe how I feel about Austin this year, more struggles ahead. And remember, it can be three words or less. You can just say one word if, if you want. But Felipe, what would your three words be for Austin? For me, I, uh, I think it'll be same as 2023. Mm. And for me, it's it's as drowsy goes. Yeah. I, I there's a couple of teams I've got a similar sentiment for as well. They seem to certainly yeah, be totally. Th- there's a but few he, teams this year of... that I was going to say that there's a player on some of these teams that if they are not performing or if they're injured, that team looks in trouble. Yeah, and I'll say them as we get to them, but we've talked about that in, in, before in MLS with the designated player rules the way they are. Uh, it, it it can tend to be like that, whether it's one or two or three players that. You know, if they perform well, your team does well. And if they don't, then they don't. Yeah. Depth as well for a lot of these teams looks mm-hmm. looks big. Next up's Colorado. 14th and last in 2023. Five wins, 12 draws, 17 defeats. 
17 players left the Rapids, 12 came in, big turnaround. Also coming in was Chris Armis for his third stint as an MLS head coach. They lost Rubio, as just mentioned there. Jack Price and Danny Wilson, two veterans away. They, they said bye to all the Scottish guys, so obviously they're dead to me now. I've got no one to talk to when they come here. They had a semi-impressive... I initially said a good and an impressive off-season rebuild, but I don't know that it is as impressive as I I was first thinking. I I like the addition of Jordi Mihailovic from Alkmaar. They paid over £3 for him as well. And considering how highly rated he was at Montreal, the fact that he's come back Mm -hmm. to the league is a bit of a surprise. The fact he's come back to Colorado is also a surprise. US international goalkeeper Zach Steffen in from Man City. Looks on paper to be a great addition. Venezuelan defender Miguel Navarro coming in from Chicago. They've improved in all areas of the park and they badly needed to. But they were spanked, Zach, 4-1 in that opener in Portland and they did not look good. Me and before that match, uh, greatly concerned for them. Uh, Zach Steffen has not got enough games and obviously Man City has given up on him by tr- by transferring him back to MLS. Um, Village brings hope, but yeah, they were awful last year and I, I can't see them being much better this year. The one thing about them is of course, is their, their home field advantage, right? They have a crazy yes. home field advantage and that, that can sometimes make them appear better than they actually are. And that's like, to me, their only hope to be anywhere close to that, you know, that top nine or whatever. Yeah. If they, if they can win out or win most down in Colorado. I mean, they, they can certainly be in the mix, but... I was just thinking, also further mention their biggest uh, loss, Stephen Bateshire, who has <gasps> retired. It felt like he had retired a long time ago. I, I, I loved Bateshire when he was here, but yeah. I, I was quite impressed uh, as they were doing all this stuff in the off-season. They were busy early. They were they were doing well. And it, it's too early for all these teams to, to judge it on the on the one game this first weekend as to what's going to happen because a lot is going to change and a lot of these teams are going to make additions before the window shuts at the end of April. A lot of these teams are going to be adding team or adding players in the summer as well. But what did you make of their off season rebuild? I was really impressed. Actually, I thought that it was a, a rebuild of intent in some of the signings that they had. I mean, Mihailovic, Montreal fans will know how good if he, he was. Zach Steffen is a big name. Uh, Miguel Navarro, the Venezuelan. Uh, Sam Vines as well. Like a lot of big additions that they brought in. And I thought that they looked like they meant business. Uh, and then they brought in Chris Armas. And then that yeah. sort of dwindled a little bit for me of that. Because it's yeah. like you're trying to have a really nice sports car with like an engine that doesn't run that great. Uh, um, and that's and a great analogy. Yeah, as you don't know exactly if it could get the job done, but it looks really nice on the outside. Um, but I mean, I was watching the game and I was looking at the stats from the game yesterday, and even though they lost four one, they had more possession, they had more shots, they had more like expected goals i think it was just a really really bad first half an hour and for me i'm wondering it's like okay first game of the season you're away from home really bad first half an hour where you can see three 
can you move on and kind of sort of restart and, you know, home field advantage, like Zach was saying, and uh, show why you can get this really good team on paper to perform. But yeah, with, with Chris Armas at the helm, my, uh, my hopes and aspirations for them to be higher up the table have, uh, yeah, sort of dwindled a little bit more. The, having watched the, just the highlights of that game, I think a lot of those stats are score effect because yeah, that that opening part of the game was was lethal from Portland, and mm. they didn't need to have the ball after that. They didn't need yeah. to do much after, yeah. after that. I I don't think Colorado is going to be as bad as that for the season. I don't think Portland's going to be as good as that for for the season. I I think yeah. what it highlights though is maybe defensively they need to still, like, they've added some good pieces. You're going to have the best goalkeeper in the world, but if you haven't got a good back line in front of you, you're going to be facing a lot of shots. And I think they need to improve defensively. They've got some some exciting pieces. I think initially, I would have probably had them round about the bubble for me for the playoffs, but now I don't think they'll be bottom again this year. But, but for me, Zach, it, it's a no to the playoffs. Yeah, I'm with you for sure, no. Likewise, I think uh, I think they're going to get close, but I think they're going to fall short. So what three words would you use then for Colorado for this year, Zach? Rocky Road Ahead. Oh, nice. Nice. Very nice pun. Mm-hmm. Love it. Felipe? Uh, not quite enough. Ah. I've just said the Armis factor mm. because I, I mean, that TFC stunt was disastrous. And yeah. there, it's hard. It's hard to get that stitch off you. Yeah, I'll, I'll touch on this at the end of the next part. I I get mailings from a betting company in the US, and they had never done a managerial hot seat thing before. So I'd asked them to do it a couple of years ago. So now they they put it out every year. So it's quite interesting to see what managers are at the top as possibly on the hot seat. But if Chris Armis brings all these guys in and has another start like he did at TFC, I don't know that he hangs around there. But maybe maybe they'll give him more time. I don't know. Dallas is the next one. Seventh last year, so made the playoffs. 11 wins, 13 draws, 10 defeats. They lost in the first round of the playoffs to Seattle. Six players out. No real biggies for me kind of departing. Eight players in including Croatian DP forward Peter Musa, who signed for a near $10 million fee from Benfica, and there's options as well that would take it to $13 million, depending on performance and like appearances, which is like crazy for MLS, really, for a team like Dallas. Especially a team like Dallas that's always brought their homegrowns on and stuff as well. But they have made a lot of money from mm-hmm. selling those homegrowns over the years. He got 17 goals in 66 games for Benfica. And I, I think it, it adds a very tasty attack with Jesus Ferreira. They also added the experienced US centre-back Omar Gonzalez. And there's an intriguing addition of Canadian-Romanian winger Ennis Sally, who's made one appearance for the Romanian national team, but was born in Canada. I know nothing about him, but just from doing the research for this, I was like, that's an an intriguing one. What do you, what do you make of Dallas, Felipe? I like the additions that they've brought in. They've actually brought in quite a few young players. Like Anisale is seventeen. Uh, they brought in one one of the players that they brought in that I think has gone a little bit under the radar is uh, Ecuadorian player called Patrick Sindelgao. 
He's from uh, Ecuadorian team called Independiente del Valle, which is really becoming renowned right now as bringing in like some of the best young talent from South America, where like a lot of the stars in the Premier League right now have been coming from uh, this club. So uh, pretty much anything, any player that comes from there already has a little bit of a an edge for me in terms of expectation. But I mean, everyone's talking about uh, Petar Musa, one of the biggest uh, uh, signings of the offseason. I've watched a few highlight packs on YouTube to get myself acquainted with him. And uh, I mean, for a tall, lanky player, he is quite agile. He's got some tricks up his sleeve and he's quite a poacher in the book. So he might be uh, lethal alongside Jesus Ferreira. But I don't know how they're going to pair those two together, like if they can complement each other. And uh, when we will be able to see them, because I think Jesus Ferreira mm. has an injury until late March. And then mm. Petar Musa Lily arrived, I believe, today to Dallas. So we're probably going to wait a little while to see how those two work together, if they can work together. But, uh, yeah, they look even more dangerous than they did last season. And I mean, you, you love Jesus, Zach. You're always banging on about him. So, I mean, you're going to be a big fan of Dallas. But that is a lethal front, too. Dallas came away with a 2-1 win in their opener against San Jose, coming from behind as well to score their 94th minute winner. How, how do you feel about them this year? Yeah, I, I'm the, I'm the Canadian guy who I didn't know until you were telling me about him. I, mean, I, I am intrigued by that as well and interested to see uh, how he does in MLS. Uh, it, it, starting from the back, yeah, the Omar Gonzalez thing is inter- Omar Gonzalez signing is interesting to me because when he was at Toronto, which was obviously a bit of a unique scenario, it felt like he was done. Like his, his, he, he hardly had any legs and pace and whatever. So it's going to be, going to be interesting to see how they use him and if he's more there to almost like a early early coaching kind of kind of thing as opposed to like much of an impact for them. Obviously, he's like is a historical MLS player and and all that kind of stuff, but. Um, yeah, so it'll be interesting to see if that, how, how that influences them or how that, uh, yeah, how that plays out for them in the, lo- in the long run. And then, yeah, like you guys have said, the the, the waiting game around uh, Musa and Ferreira and what that's going to look like and uh, is really, really, I think, exciting for the, the people uh, of Dallas and and hopefully for them. You saw it a little bit in, in the, the opener against San Jose. Hopefully it fills that stadium up more than we're used to. Um because they have, I think, some exciting pieces, uh, and I think they have um, significant potential. I, I would also say as well, their their kit that I wasn't a huge fan of last week, it was kind of in the middle for me. I quite liked it when I, I see it in, in person. There's a lot of kits that I've changed my mind on. But Michael, is that because you were looking at it on the pitch in comparison to the sound? The sound ve- ve- that's horrible. Very possibly, Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that is that is a good possibility. I mean, Dallas, they always seem to start strong and then they fade off. So now if they're going to get Musa and Ferreira back a little bit later, maybe they'll, that'll kind of spur them on. Playoff bound for you, Felipe? Yeah, I think so. I think with uh, the firepower that they have and they're probably, with, with the build on what they have from uh, last season, I'd be very surprised that they don't make it. I don't know if they'll be high up there like fighting in the for for the top three top four but they'll definitely make it i yeah i can see them for me definitely in fourth to sixth kind of around there for me zach yeah i i I agree with you guys i think they're in their playoff bound three little words then or less to to sum them up felipe uh see for me i uh 
sometimes I have I, I I have difficulty trying to going dense into three words, so I add a little like a pro- apostrophe. <laughs> I mix two <laughs> words together uh, just to fit the quota. So frightening forwards feast. No, take that. That's pushing it. Zach. Jesus saves season. <laughs> I've got him a stronger in attack. So we're all in the same kind of mindset here that it is a, the, the attacking side. Yeah, I, I think they're going to have a, have a good year. The other Texan team in the trio, Houston, they were fourth last year. 14 wins, 9 draws, 11 defeats, losing the conference final to LAFC. 11 players out including Corey Baird, who scored eight goals and had six assists for them last year. Off he went, though, to FC Cincinnati as a free agent. Only six in so far. Another team that you feel is going to be still a bit busy. Uh, Jan Gregus, the best. I always think Gregus is going to be good when I... If I get back to doing my team of the week and we have, like, a vodka 11 or something, he'll clearly be in there. An experienced central midfielder who... Averages an assist every four games. There's a lot on the shoulders of Sebastian Ferreira, who's back on loan from Brazil. Carasquia as well. There's a, a, a lot on him. They, I mean, their recruitment, I was expecting more from the recruitment, especially after the mm-hmm. season that they had last season. They, they started off maybe not that great, but their second half showing was really, really strong. And I was thinking that they were going to kick off from it. But um, yeah, I was looking at their their player movement and there wasn't really anything that was all that inspiring. I mean, I do love Alberto Carrasquilla. I think he's a fantastic player. I'm surprised he's still there, I'll be honest. This after... is why we've got Felipe on. I can't pronounce any of these guys. Yeah, don't worry. I got you. I got you. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, Jan Gregush, I don't know. Uh, like I, I saw a little bit of uh, with him with Minnesota. Um but yeah, I think what you said is right. It's going to fall a lot on the DPs, on Hector Herrera's start trying to pull the strings in the midfield as well, alongside Carrasquilla to uh, to get Houston going. But I don't know if they'll be able to make it uh, twice in a row. Yeah, I'm, and for me, uh, the thing about Houston was I, I thought they uh, overperformed last year um, in the league campaign and especially, obviously, in, in, that, in the playoff run they went on. Uh, I really do not rate Steve Clark their their keeper at all, uh, who they're starting with again this year. Uh, and uh, yeah, I I think they're going to be lower than they were last year, like for sure. Um, I think Grey Goose is a is a nice signing for them with yeah good MLS experience and uh, yeah will be helpful in that part of the the field. But I just I can't see them doing as well as they did last year. No, they're an interesting team. Like they've had. Players in the past, in recent seasons, that looked amazing. And then they just didn't perform and didn't get into the, the playoffs. Last year, it didn't really feel that they had that fantastic a team. And then they, they did so well. I I don't even think that they're going to get into the playoffs this year at all, Zach. I mean, do, do you think they'll get in? Are they a bubble one for you? I, I See, I, I didn't rate them last year. And like I said, they, they crazily overperformed. So and, and I think... I would be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised if they didn't make the playoffs this year. Felipe, one all draw at home to to KC in the opener. Their home games are always so crucial for them. They need to get the wins in those. Are they playoff bound for you? They're in the bubble for me right now. I think that 
like I said, they haven't given me anything to really think that they'll kick on. Um, but like Zach said, it's like they don't look that impressive, but they might just be able to, you know, pull whatever they pulled last year and, and go on an insane second half run. But for now, I'm going to say bubble. And what would your three words be for, for Houston, Felipe? Uh, Ken Carrasquilla carry. Savor the Grey Goose. I, I'm going with back to disappointing. I think they peaked last year, and yeah, I, I'm expecting a bit of a dip. Maybe not the only team to have a, a big dip. Two LA teams now. LAFC, third last year. 14 wins, 10 draws, 10 defeats. Beaten MLS Cup finalists. They couldn't defend a crown. 17 players gone. Massive turnaround. Some big, big names gone, Zach. Mats Kripo, Chiellini. Torres, Kellen Acosta, Palacios, Vela, possibly. 49.9% of last year's minutes are back was one of the stats that they had on MLS, which is like crazy that they've lost 50% basically of their their players from last year that played in games. Just six players in so far. So you know there's movement coming because they've got two open DP spots. Colombian Edward Atuesta is back from Palermas on loan. Vela is, apparently his locker room is still there. So if he wants to come back, he can come back. And of course in goal, they got rid of both. They're really good goalkeepers. And they've brought in an old man in Hugo Lloris. What, what's your thoughts on LAFC? Yeah, the, it, it, to me, it's it's interesting, what, like what's going on with Vela and, and and where things are at with that, and why why there's maybe not more ur- urgency over over that, and like you said, filling those those deep DP spots. Uh, I think though, one thing about LAFC is they are a well-run organization, and I know there were lots of jokes about the playing career side of things for for John Thorrington, but I think he's done like an outstanding job at. At building that that club and making it a club, and yeah, uh, and so I think they, they know they know what they're doing, and so I I, I think they're one of the sides where n- maybe everything not being totally settled or every spot being filled at the start of the season isn't the worst thing because uh, you can trust uh, you know the, the stewards of their club to fill those spots with the, with the right kind of players at the right time. Um, but yeah, it it is quite it is quite shocking, you know, who they've lost, how many they've lost, and how they've gone to to fill those gaps. I, I'm I'm still really surprised at the whole Max Crepo leaving thing and bringing in uh, someone of Hugo Lloris's uh, age. He's he's so he's so old and and on the decline. Obviously, played at a crazy high level, so it must feel like. He's good enough to be a an outstanding keeper in MLS, but it just it feels like a like a back. It feels it feels like an LA Galaxy move, not an yeah. LAFC move. Yeah, and funnily enough, their one of their keepers has gone to the, to to the Galaxy as well. Yes, they do have a couple of really intriguing young guns, though. Felipe Thomas Angel, Juan Pablo Angel's kid, which is like crazy. Mm. Uh, David Martinez as well seems a very intriguing signing. What have you made at LAFC this off season? Uh, well, I was super stoked to see Thomas Angel. Like when I found out that that was Juan Pablo Angel's uh, yeah. son, 
because uh, I loved Juan Pablo Angel. The, yeah. One of the earliest memories I had of MLS when I was paying attention to MLS was Juan Pablo Angel when he was at the Red Bulls. Um, so that's I, I, just from a, a Colombian point of view, that's amazing. Um, but yeah, as outside of that, the the Carlos Vela thing is very weird, and the fact that they lost so many of their key players, like you mentioned, the two keepers, Kellen Acosta, Diego Palacios. Obviously, Chiellini retired, but it's it yeah. It feels like obviously LAFC have been so strong lately, and they've started strong again this season. They made it seven uh, opening match wins yeah. in a row, a record in the MLS. So I feel very like cautious to bet against them, but it still feels like until they bring some more. I guess proven names because they brought in, like you mentioned, some, some good young names, but uh, some more proven outfielders outside of Hugo Lloris. That's going to be the biggest thing because, uh, you know, as a Spurs fan myself, I've seen Hugo play for uh, my team for a while and he's a good keeper, but he has mistakes in him. And also I would fancy mm-hmm. anybody's chances against him in a penalty shootout because he does not save penalties whatsoever. So uh, yeah. it'll be interesting to see how LAFC do across the season and into any knockouts that they might be going into. As Felipe said there, Zach, they, they won their opener 2-1 against the Sounders. A, a, a good game. Some interesting refereeing yeah. decisions in that. What, what, like, I, I watched a lot of the games, pretty much most of, of the games highlight-wise, bar one. Um, and then I watched a lot of the games live, and I, I thought the replacement refs on the whole did a good job. This game was one of the ones that it wasn't as as good an officiating crew in the battle of the pinstripes, but they got off to that winning yeah. start. I, I think it's we all are going to agree that they are playoff bound. So it's like, how high do do they finish in this regular season? Are they are they bringing home another Western Conference title or? Are they going to be going into the playoffs, the number two, the number three seed? Yeah, I think they're top three for sure. Um, but they again, I think it depends on how they do for those those open spots that they have. Um, I think from what I've seen of the weekend, both live and, and highlights, it was the game of the weekend. Was it not against against Seattle? Was yep. there a better game than that this weekend? Probably the one I enjoyed the most. Mm. Yeah, I thought it was. I thought it was the cream of the crop. I. Again, going back to the kits, the, the Sounders kits, they, they grow in me the more I see them. Much like fungus, I guess. Yeah, but- <laughs> yeah, yeah that was, it, it was well. a good battle. Of those, those, those of the, of, obviously, most of the games were battles of new kits. But yeah, that was, uh, I think, one of the, the better games with uh, the new kits on display. Felipe, for you, LAFC, top of the pile, top three. I'm, I'm, I'm with Zach that I think top three. I don't know yet if they'll be mm. at the very top. It depends if uh, Denny Buanga can do it all himself now. Yes. Uh, but uh, I definitely, I, I can't imagine a world where they don't make the playoffs. That brings me to my three little words because I've gone pretty much something that you've just said there. Buanga needs help. He cannot do this himself as good as he is. It's like he needs some help out there and those DP spots loom large and it's going to be interesting to see how they fill them. Felipe, your three words for LAFC? Big recruitments needed. Mm, like that. Uh, for me, it's Larice La La Land and that's because I think where things are right now, I think he he could be um, a determining factor. Yeah, hyphenated La La. But he could be a determining factor in where, where their season goes. 
yeah, that's that's very fair. Moving across to the other bit of LA, Carson, really, very much south of LA. 13th last year, 8 wins, 12 draws, 14 losses, 15 players gone. Genuinely, genuinely don't know how much they'll miss, most of them. Maybe winger Tyler Boyd, who did have some good output last year. And Chicharito, if he was going to be good, they would clearly miss. But last year was one of the years where he wasn't great. Eight players in so far only. Two of them, though, RDPs. Ghanaian winger Joseph Pencil, $9 million from Genk. Brazilian Gabriel Peck, $10 million from Vasco da Gama. Felipe, what have you made of the Galaxy? I think defensively, for me, they still look awful. Yeah, I mean, defensively, I think they've only brought in one player, right? I think it was John Nelson from St. Louis City. Uh, they, they've they done some good additions in the, in the midfield and in the, in the attack. Uh, Joseph Paintsell, I mean, uh, in the game just today, he showed his, the ability that he can do to cause damage, you know, getting fouled for the penalty. Um, I think he's a player that will probably... They'll be they'll rely on him a lot to make things happen in the final third. Uh Gabriel Peck, a young Brazilian, those are always, you know, 50-50s on whether he, they're gonna be wonder kids or whether they're maybe not gonna reach the potential that a lot of people, you know, they love to put pressure on the Brazilian wonder kids. So I'm gonna re- hold my reservations against him. But overall, uh yeah, I don't think they've done enough to kind of strengthen in the areas that they needed to bring in John McCarthy from LAFC. He's a really good keeper. I think um, he might be good, but uh, I, overall, you know, they have their best defenders, Maya Yoshida, who is a, a mm-hmm. similar to Hugo Jordis is a ex prem player from like the last four or five years, six, seven years, or even, I don't remember the last time. He actually yeah, and can he, add goals as well. Yeah. So he's, he's, he's a good defender, but can he, sort of cover everything that they, they need to, especially in this day and age. That's going to be my biggest question mark there. But I think they'll uh, they'll at least be a lot more fun to watch and it won't just be Ricky Puig in the middle trying to make everything happen. So Yeah, fun fact talking about Brazilians, this is genuine. In 2014, there was a campaign in one of the tabloids in Scotland that Scottish fans should go over to the Brazilian World Cup, even though we weren't there, and marry Brazilian women so that we could have children and produce all these Brazilian Scottish children that would qualify for the national team in years to come. Wow. How'd that go for you, Michael? Doesn't seem to have gone very well. Genuinely, in the the 86 Mexican World Cup, a lot of Scottish fans went over, because Scotland were there. Uh, that was when we did qualify and fell in love with Mexican girls and married Mexican girls. Haven't seen the, the offspring come through the national team, though, in that regard. But, Zach, that game tonight, Galaxy outplayed Miami. Have to kind of feel a little bit for them, but from a White Cats point of view, delighted that they dropped two points. Ricky Pouge was just phenomenal for most of the game, maybe not from the penalty spot. That was a that was a good save though, but they impressed me tonight, and I'll, I'll preempt my three words, which were going to be Vanny must go. Is this the year he turns them around? He he promised he would do it in three. This is year four. His coat is on a sugarly peg. 
You're not wrong. Uh, I, obviously, I have had uh, a lot of I've held that Vanny in a, in a high regard, and it hasn't. He hasn't come good yet in LA. And you're right. Uh, I think his time could be limited in LA if they don't really turn things around. Pencil, I, I have high hopes for him. You guys talk about Yoshida. I, I really like him. He spent a year at Chalka as well uh, after his time in the Premier League and in Syria. Um, and obviously, he's played tons for Japan. Uh, I really like him, but he is 35 years old, and so it's I'm, a not long sure, season. I'm not sure they have the right players to play along. Yeah, I'm not sure they have the players to play alongside him to to help them excel. So I agree with you. There are great concerns about them at the back. Yeah, this is a, a significant transitional year for them, and it's interesting to see that their their big signing players are not like big name players. They're actually yeah. players who they they're paying money for, but they actually think are going to be able to be big on the field for them. So it's it's almost like LAFC has taken that kind of Galactico ish approach a little bit with the signing like Loris and and even Chiellini last year or whatever, and and the Galaxy are are re. You know, now that Chicharito's gone, they're rethinking how they how they do things because their old method was very unsuccessful for them in the recent history. But I hope that they're obviously more competitive than they were last year for the for the league for their for the one of the true derbies in the league. But I, I still I still think they're a bubble team mm -hmm. at this moment. It's interesting. I don't know what their fans have reacted to these two DPs, but can you imagine what the Whitecaps fans would react if the Whitecaps spent nine ten million on a Ghanaian winger and a young Brazilian guy? They'd be like, "We we don't know these guys. They haven't played in the Premier. Why are they wasting money on this?" So it's interesting mm -hmm. how folk would look at it. So Felipe, playoffs for the Galaxy? Yes or no? They're my other bubble team right now. I'd say they could go. Either way, it, it kind of depends if the the two new DPs can like sort of hit the ground running, because mm. uh, I feel like early season is going to be vitally important for LA Galaxy. Because if they start to lose matches early on, I feel like they'll struggle to sort of catch up in the latter parts of the season. Uh, there are no for me, Zach. They started strong last year and then kind of faded off. It's crazy when you look how many i can't i think they've only made the playoffs twice in the last six or seven seasons yeah it, it is um but but even even today it wasn't the best start but i mean the circus came to town and they survived yeah right and like you said they probably should have got should have got all the points i think every every team's gonna up their game a bit when when Miami come to town as well, so it's not maybe a fair reflection. I was saying to Zach earlier when we were just messaging, nightmare. If you're starting your season under pressure and you've got Messi coming to town, yeah. it's like... Oh, yeah. Much. Okay, your three little me, words. Yeah, mine are don't get penciled. Mine are probably lack consistency. That's fair. The last team we're going to look at in this part, and then maybe we'll pick things up a little bit in the next part. Minnesota. 11th last year, 10 wins, 11 draws, 13 defeats, 12 players out, including Grigus in the midfield, a couple of defensive departures as well, 7 players in, nothing too exciting for me. They've still got a DP spot with Reynoso, uh, Reynoso and Puki filling the two of those just now. The whole coaching situation is bizarre. Because they, they still have only got an interim head coach, which makes me think, are they waiting for someone for the summer that's with a club just now somewhere in Europe and they're going to wrap up and then they're going to bring them over? 
They've got um, Minnesota United 2, head coach Cameron Knowles as the interim. But they did beat Austin 2-1 in their first game. They looked decent. Pookie looked sharp, Felipe. Yeah, I mean, I, I have a lot of time for Timo Pookie. I really liked what he showed uh, for Norwich City. In yeah, England. me too. I think he he probably can do still quite a decent job, especially now that he's had a proper uh, preseason with Minnesota. I think he'll probably uh, do quite well for Minnesota this coming season. I think now with you know Emmanuel Reynoso, all that drama that they that he's had with the team in the last year or so, I think that's all settled and done. I think he's injured right now, but uh, you know at least that stuff is sort of behind him. I think they're finally going to have. Well, they had the parts to have like a strong season, but like you mentioned, having sort of this interim manager, no one really knows what's going to happen in the long term for who's going to come in, you know, who's going to set a vision, who's going to set a philosophy and identity to the team. They're sort of just probably going to rely on just the quality of the players that they have until somebody comes in to get that stability or maybe they'll give i don't know cameron knowles the full-time job mm-hmm. if he does well at the beginning of the season well but, if, he, uh, if he keeps yeah. them playing the way they they did in that win over austin it's like he had them playing nice football yeah exactly and in the way that they that they passed around it was something that i hadn't really seen minnesota do in the last little while so i, I was pleasantly surprised there and uh, i think overall it will yeah it will really depend on where they will find that uh, consistency in the philosophy they have and if a new coach comes in will that help their season or will that sort of destabilize their season if they are waiting in the summer like you said michael yeah I mean, unless they know who it's going to be and that guy is watching from afar and making all his notes and getting familiar with the players, that will make it a smooth transition. Otherwise, you're learning everything. And mm. it's very weird. I, I, I have a soft spot for them. Obviously, uh, I, I still have a strong appreciation for one one Michael Boxall. Uh, but obviously, Dane Sinclair being there as well is is huge. And uh, before he went to England, Pookie spent a couple of years also in the Bundesliga at Schalke wasn't didn't light it up there but was really uh kind of just caught caught the eye a little bit there and so uh, yeah i've always had a soft spot for him as, and and obviously his time with the, the the finnish national team as well um so yeah i i i uh i hope i like minnesota's a team i kind of i hope they do well um you got you guys talked about some of the significant things in terms of yeah what are they what are they going to do about uh you know the coaching situation how that all is going to play out and that that could be massive for the, the way things go in their season uh today was a good performance or this weekend was a good performance against austin um but you can't get too excited because again austin was playing without drew yeah. and, and and whatnot but but it, it was like the a good road victory they got the job done and i think they'll feel really really good about it um so yeah uh, i i i'm hopeful that they'll make the playoffs felipe do you think they'll make it i'm gonna say yes i think they're gonna sneak in probably in the maybe in the playing spot we'll see yeah. but i think they'll just about sneak in that, that's my thoughts as well and felipe your three words to sum them up uh i'm gonna hyphen two words to, to make it uh, <laughs> fit in uh can cameron keep it i'm going with pookie all over I, I, I think potentially exciting team. There's a very exciting team ready to break out there. It's just whether they can keep it going and consistency-wise. And I, I, their kit has now, their new star kit has now gone back up mm-hmm. again for me. 
It's one of those ones I liked it at yeah. first and I didn't and now I really like it again. Well, that is the first seven teams looked at. We'll be back with the last six after this. Hi, I'm Vanni Sartini and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. Is that Welcome back to the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio 101.9 FM, brought to you in partnership with recoveryfamilylaw.ca. And kicking off this part, it's the final song from February's album of the month, English band Marion, their 1996 debut, This World and Body, one of the singles from it, one of their hits from it. That was Time. And we'll be back with a new album of the month next week. We're going to finish our deep dive into the MLS Western Conference for 2024 in this part. We've looked at seven teams in the last part. We've got another six to go. And it's Cascadia time as we go down to Portland. They were 10th last year. 11 wins, 10 draws, 13 defeats. They're a mini Canada now. Never mind Cascadia. (laughs) Just five players have come in, and three of them are Canadian, and two of them are goalkeepers. Kamal Miller, James Pantemis, Maxime Crapeau, who couldn't play yesterday because he has green card issues. But it looks like it is all sorted out, and he should be back between the sticks next week. I thought James Pantemis did very well. I've always been high on James Pantemis. I don't think that's a good move for him. I think he's a guy that should be playing regularly and if he's playing second fiddle to Max, I don't think that's ideal. That's a whole other discussion. Ten players gone. Yimichara, possibly the biggest loss, you could say, off to Colombia. I liked what, what he brought last year and last couple of seasons. Fellow DP, Nizgoda, has also gone and Sebastian Blanco has gone off back to Argentina. The Timbers have two open DP spots. A huge lack of depth. Injuries to start the season. It feels they need to be busy in the transfer market or they're in for a long, tough season, Felipe. 
But they did get off to a great start with that 4-1 win, with Brazilian forward Anthony particularly impressing. Yeah, Anthony looks like a like a really good player. We didn't get to see, I think, too much of him last mm. season after he came in in the summer. But uh, I, uh, you know, Brazilian wingers are always going to bring a little bit of that that samba flair with them, and I think we saw a little bit more of that uh, in uh, yesterday's game. But yeah, with him and hopefully Evander. Uh, also stepping up, up a little bit more for Portland, they might actually be uh, a dark horse uh, for the Western Conference. I think they still need some pieces, uh, the especially with the players that the that they've lost. And considering that you know the two out of the five major signings they've made are goalkeepers, uh, still kind of shows that they are lacking in like two DP spots. Are they going to be able to fill that in this window? Or are they going to have to wait to the summer? Is that too little too late by relying on only one DP? Um, I think it, uh Phil Neville clearly was uh, impacted by his time being John Herdman's assistant at, at Canada. Wouldn't be surprised if he starts sniffing around to see if uh, Kyle, uh, Kyle Aaron will want to come back to the MLS in the summer. Um but uh, yeah, it seems like uh, Portland are off to a great start and they might be able to have uh, quite a season ahead of them. Like we said with Colorado, though, Zach, I don't know how good Portland were, how bad Colorado were. I don't think that is how we'll see the, the season play out. But what have you made of their, their off season? Yeah, I, I agree with you that you can't get too overhyped from beating a really poor Colorado side, especially away from uh, Colorado being on the road. Um, I I think that yeah, you guys are are spot on in terms of they need to strengthen their squad. Looking at their looking at the, their game from this weekend, it was it was almost like an old school bench where they had like five or six players on the bench to 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 draw from. Um, but yeah, I think Evander is going to be huge. I think if uh, obviously Anthony's got off to a great start. Um, I also don't think you can underestimate the the value of a keeper like Maxime Kripo who can win you matches and win you points like they haven't had in Portland since I can't even remember I can't remember their last like standout goalkeeper um and and so I think that that can be huge for them like like you said though they they need to do do more work they need to bring in more players they need to um get healthy all those things are obviously really really important to them and then the other thing is, and I know you, I know this is a big thing for you, Michael. But what will the, the the Neville factor be? Yeah, will it be a positive? Will it be a negative? Will it be a, a mini circus? Like what, what's what's that going to be all about? I wonder how much he talks to Ridgewell before going to Portland mm. and, and getting a bit of a scouting report from him. But um, yeah, it's a bit of a it's a bit of an X factor, I think. But uh, Good, good start. Uh, the you know their home matches needs to, like they need to rebuild it and to be the fortress it was. And I think they can do that defensively when you have a Maxime Kripo, uh supported by a James Pantomis. Yeah, I mean for me they're borderline playoffs with the likes of San Jose and RSL that that we're going to come to in this part. My th- my three words were going to initially be Phil Neville Law, but. I just don't rate Phil Neville as a coach. He is going to have some really good contacts, though. If you're looking at DPs from possibly guys that's played in the English Premier League, I mean, he might have those contacts to bring those in. But my three words for them at the moment, Felipe, are they need additions. 
Yeah, I think that's that's fair. Uh, mine, mine are uh, Canada's fourth team. <laughs> oh, I love that. Mine is uh, Maxime Strikes Back. RSL, fifth last year, 14 wins, 8 draws, 12 defeats. They lost to Houston in the first round of the playoffs. 10 players out, including some big pieces like Demir Krylak, obviously coming here, Rubio Rabin, Jefferson Severino, Scott Caldwell, Danny Muzovsky. Eight players in, but three of those are homegrowns and two of them are draft picks. So they haven't filled it with top quality talent here. The others that they have are either young or don't really stand out to me. And they've got two games already under their belt, whereas the Whitecaps have none. Bizarre way to start the season. 2-0 loss to Miami, 1-0 draw at St. Louis. One point from six is not a great start, but they were both road games. And Zach, as we said with Colorado, they've got that little edge with their home games. But this mm-hmm. looks a tough off-season for RSL. Yeah, I think it is going to be a bit of a difficult thing. I think when looking back on last year, I think we're just reflecting on what they did last year. For me, it's still that that they lost to Houston in the playoffs was kind of astounding. Mm. Um, I think one of the significant things for them, Michael, is uh, is their coach is Masterani. I think he's uh, the kind of coach who players really like play for, and that's a bit of a an intangible that you can't maybe always. Uh, you know, count on, but it is, it is something. And so I think, um, I, I think they, I think they could still make the playoffs and, um, and, 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 and be a, an important team in the, in the, in the West. But you, you're right. The, the additions that they have don't really inspire their fans with a lot of hope, especially when you look at what they lost. Yeah, I mean, for me, Felipe, they're one of the borderline teams. I, my three words, I'll just put them in now, is a season of regression. I think they will take a, a tumble down. But I didn't think they had the right approach against Miami. They sat way back. St. Louis, though, they, they put in a good performance. I, I just, I don't know what we can make of them really yet this year. Yeah, they're very much a mixed bag because a lot of the players that they lost were important. Yes, some of them were on the older side, so you could sort of say that it was understandable that they were leaving and then this kind of leaves a new era, but I was expecting a little bit more for them in terms of bringing in this new era. I think that the super draft picks that they that they had and the homegrown players, it's always nice that, you know, trust in the youth at the same time like i don't didn't recognize any of the other names that they brought in yeah. like i don't know anything i know what, matt crooks came from middlesbrough and that mm. was about it i didn't um, even it's not even a name that i'm familiar with and I, i've watched championship stuff yeah exactly i don't think he was a name that really was participating all that much regularly from middlesbrough so yeah very much a mixed bag i mean I love Chicho Arango. Uh, he's a very, yeah. very entertaining striker. He, just the way that he plays. I mean, when he was at LAFC, he was almost supernatural, especially alongside uh, Velan Buenga. Um, for me, it'll really rely if he can sort of kick off uh, for them to be that focal point in the attack because they don't have much more in terms of depth for to help them out uh if he isn't you know firing on all cylinders what would your three words then be felipe for rsl 
Mm, that's that's tough because I was or- originally going to go with just missing it, just about missing it. But looking at the performance that they mean, um, I think they're. I'm going to go with the opposite and oh. just making it. Oh. I think they're just going to make it. Zach. Just with the first two performances. Yeah, I, I'm going to call them a, a bubble team as well. And so my three words are, if if they are to make the playoffs, my my words are going to be Masterani Masterclass. <laughs> That's two words. Yeah, well, it was three words or less, so it, it was fine. No one's gone for a one-word thing yet. Um, tire fire, if we put all that as one word for, for some <laughs> team, surely someone's going to say that. Could it be San Jose? Probably not, but they were ninth last year squeaking into the playoffs with 10 wins, 14 draws and 10 defeats, losing the play-in game to SKC. 11 players out. Cade Cowell looks the the big loss in there. Arguably Nathan. Only the, everyone's second favourite Nathan involved in, in Major League Soccer. Eight players in. Norwegian winger Amal Pellegrino is the, the one that everyone seems to be excited about, the big guy. The front three that you, you could be looking at of Pellegrino, Espinosa, and Ibobisi, they took the lead against Dallas. They started both halves well, but they lost 2 1 to a 94th minute winner. What do you make of San Jose, Zach? The taking the lead against Dallas was a, a bit of a fortunate goal, the way that. that it was very early. You know, the, 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 the deflection and the bobble out and whatever. Yeah, it was, it was very fortunate. I, I, I think that uh, they're in a. They're in, uh, they're in a bit of trouble in San Jose. I think that, that yeah, they they don't have enough. Um, I don't think they have enough to 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 be a, a, a to be a, a team that's going to that's going to like be pushing for the top half of the table. Um, I, so then they're either on the bubble or just outside for me. I, I think yeah, the players like Abubise and, and Espinoza are like, yeah, huge for them. And kind of as they go, this team will go. I think Espinoza, kind of like Jerusi or kind of like Reynoso for for Minnesota is is massive. Um, and so, yeah, I, I to me, they're a hard, a hard team to call. Yeah, I mean, I really do like Amal Pellegrino from uh, the Nor- Norwegian league. He was like leading... The stats, I think it was top goal scored last season, leading in uh, so many of the attacking stats uh, for Bodo Glimt last season. So he seems like a very exciting signing. Um, but, I mean, Cade Cowell is a huge loss oh. for them. And I think mm-hmm. that as, as, as entertaining as Pellegrino might be, I don't think he fits that or he doesn't fill that gap that Kate Cowell leaves behind and it might be asking a lot for Espinosa to be that player that 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 sort of fills that gap because I felt like they complemented off each other a lot you know especially in the games that I watch when they face the white caps it, it never really felt like either one was sort of the star of the show it felt like both of them were working really hard together to try to make things happen so it, you kind of lost one like one pair of wheels on on the car now and can the others can from going from like all-wheel drive to two-wheel drive it still works but i don't know if it'll run as as well in, in rocky terrain my three words for san jose need a 10 i i just feel they need someone to be pulling the strings there and they're they're kind of lacking that just now zach is that not espinoza though isn't that supposed to be espinoza I think they would prefer him not to be that guy. 
Yeah, but where, where, where do you play him then? Uh, I mean, that's a bigger discussion for yeah. later. But yeah, I, they do need they do need more creativity. You're right. They do need more goal scoring. Uh, f- for me, the the my three words are better than sharks? Question mark. It's <laughs> <laughs> throwing your ice hockey knowledge in. I, I don't I know, know how very, the sharks are doing. I know they're very little about ice hockey. Oh, do their like bottom of the whatever. Oh, are they division conference whatever? Oh, they're they're horrible. Yeah. Oh. And I don't I, even follow ice hockey, but I know that I know that. I I wonder I wonder how yeah I wonder how it is to sell tickets for San Jose this year. Mine is a Cade Cowless nightmare. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, he is going to be a massive loss. Seattle with three to go. We can do this. Second in the West last year. 11 wins, 11 draws, nine defeats, which was the, the least amount of losses in the West. They lost, though, to LAFC in the conference semis. Hooray! Seven players moved on. Nicholas Lodero, obviously the biggest loss of those. Just five in so far. They've added Argentine winger Pedro De La Vega, veteran striker Danny Muzovsky from RSL. Doesn't feel that that's enough. They're strong defensively. They do still need to, to score more, Felipe. And you think they are probably going to go out and make splash the cash and, and address that at some point soon? Yeah, they have to. Uh, I think because, uh, you know, as much as Jordan uh, Morris can can pretty much play anywhere and, and be effective. And he was scoring quite a bit of goals, probably more than a lot of people were expecting in the last couple of seasons. They do need some more help um, in the goals, especially when you have a player like Pedro de la Vega uh, coming in because he's such an exciting player. Like he, even just, just seeing him when he made a few, like, like the cameo that he made, just a few glimpses, taking on his man, you know, driving down into space he still looks a little raw. He still looks like he needs some time to settle. But once you get a player like that going, you need somebody at the end of the passes that he's going to make and the dribbles that he's going to, the chances he's going to create to be able to effectively put them away. I think if you put a really good nine and have Pedro de la Vega as the provider, you're going to have a really dangerous pairing there. But I don't know if they have that right now with Jordan Morris. But Morris as well, he's had his injuries over the years as well. It's like if he goes down to another one, they are screwed right now. But Zach, what's your feelings on the Sounders? Uh, Seattle is a side you can never count out because they're a very well-run football club. And with um, Schmetzer at the helm, uh, he's someone who understands what it is to be a steward of a football club. And so I, yeah, I, I think... Even though, like you guys said, they have significant losses, I think they can still uh, be a top four, three or four side in the in the conference. Uh, I think it was great for Pedro Del Vega to come on and uh, score that score the penalty against the LAFC in the opening match. Hopefully, help him get his kind of feet wet, and um, yeah, hopefully for them they'll see they'll see more of that. Um, what happened with the uh, Colombian barista? He's just out of contract. He's he, he is. Well, they, they they didn't bring him back, so he's still posting yeah. a lot of stuff on his Instagram about his time in Seattle. I'd imagine as an emergency, yeah. if they had to, they he's always there for them. I'll be there, there, there for you. you. Do, 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 do. <laughs> I think we all expect him to be in the players for Lee. For me, they're battling for first. 
Yeah, I think so. I think even though they're still lacking a couple of pieces, they're a super strong team and you know they've they've they showed last season that they they got past that hangover after uh going in the the deep CONCACAF Champions League at that time run uh and it's going to be back to I think business as usual for Seattle. That's actually my my uh three words was business as usual. Oh, uh, nice. Because I, I think they're just going to go back to being yeah. one of the top teams and I think Pedro de la Vega. I loved uh, using him as a like signing him as a young player on FIFA, yeah, because he was always a fun player to play with the last few years. Uh, I'm expecting to see similar performances in real life for Seattle. My three words, Zach, are Lodero replacement required, but it could easily have been another forward required. What's yours? Fishy feet forward. I, th- I think they're going to continue to to progress. Hmm. Sporting Kansas City, interesting season for them, where they horrible at the start, but they had so many injuries and folk just didn't know how they were going to turn it around, and they, they did, and they finished eighth in the West with twelve wins, eight draws, fourteen defeats. They beat the Western Conference regular season champs St. Louis in the first round before losing to Houston in the conference semis. Seven players out, just the four in. A very quiet off-season for Peter Vermees' side. Gaddy Kinda, obviously a, a huge loss. They also lost some veterans in Espinosa and Zussi. Mimo Rodriguez, the mm. probably the only big addition, who never hit the heights I always thought he was going to be Houston. I genuinely don't know what to make of KC this year, and that's my three words. What are they, Zach? Oh, I, I, I think... I'm- Peter Vermees knows how he wants to play football and knows how to bring in players who can play that. So I'm interested to see what happens with, with Memo. Uh, Cause I think that Vermees will hopefully, you know, for barbecue fans, be able to get the best out of him. Um, but yeah, I, 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 last year was a bit nightmarish and then they fought back to, to make it into the playoffs. I, I think that they're they're I think they're, they are, I think they're going to make it again, maybe in you know the six, seven, eight kind of spot. So maybe a little bit of uh, above a bubble team for me. I've got them possibly fighting for top four with kind oh, of wow. Whitecaps and Dallas, but it depends if they make some other other additions. They did, they did draw their their opener with Houston. So I can't read too much into that, especially after their start last year for Lippe. But what do you make of them? Yeah, similar to what you guys have been saying, like the the signings that they that they made haven't. I like. I don't really know what to make of them. They lost some big players. Zuzi probably being like a huge one for them. Um, so can they sort of move on from that from a player that's been so important for them over the years? Um, they were a team that like they were so, like you mentioned they were so poor at the beginning. People were thinking, will Vermees finally get fired after mm. so long? Uh, like we were even talking uh, about that in the Whitecaps uh, press box when they weren't even playing. That's how like big that was, and then he managed to turn it around. So it, it's tough to to be able to bet against Vermees because of the experience that he has and the history that he has with the club. Um, but it is the modern day of football. There's a lot less sentimentality around it, so I wouldn't be 
all that surprised if things go south again that they start thinking about it. Um, but I think he has enough credit in the bank to warrant uh, a little bit of patience at yeah. least. Uh, but I think overall, yeah, they're a mixed bag. They're very much a mixed bag. What would your three words be for them? Um, I went with yo-yo season, up and down. They're going to be probably going up and down throughout the season. I, I was just going to say, Vermees knows best. Well, last, but certainly not least, last year with the new boys, St. Louis City, first in the West, Western Conference champions with their 17 wins, three more than any other side, five draws, 12 losses, but they lost to KC in that first round. Eight players out, five players in, 10 goal, Nicholas Giochini headed off to Italy, has not been replaced. They drew at home, won all with RSL in their opener. In their keepers act, Berkey, they'll save points. But they have got to get a, a, a replacement goal scorer in or they are going to have what my three words were. Expecting a big drop. That's four, but I didn't have a. Expecting big drop. I, I, think, I think they're going to dip this year, but they, they definitely have to get a, another forward in. Yeah, um, Santa Claus, right, is is back in in shape and, and yeah. starting this year. So it'll be interesting to see how Have that how that goes for him. Out? Yeah, that's a that's a valid question. Yeah, I agree with you. Berkey is is huge for them. I think he was last year. There's also the uh, the invisible hand of MLS in in this. Right, last year they had all the extra gam from being a first year team. Their second year this year, they get less of that uh, new 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 team gam. Um, so they have to be more efficient uh, with what they have. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see if, if who they do bring in to maybe help um, uh, score the goals. Uh, I know Vancouver people will probably be a little bit sad that, uh, or at least maybe just Har will be a little bit sad to see that. I think Jake Nowinski found his his rightful place on the on the bench in their in their opening match. Um, but no, they. Um, I, I think they obviously. Won't, I don't think they'll be as good as they were last year in, in league play. But I still think that, that they can be a playoff side. They they did so well. They reminded me of how of Lily Austin FC the season before, where they were really punching above their weight. And, I mean, the first few months, teams were gifting them goals, like literally, like hand wrapping them. Oh yeah. <laughs> I where there's like that. Yeah. <laughs> back pass, uh, back pass after back pass. Santa after Claus. Back pass. Yeah. Yeah. Literally. Santa Claus was receiving gifts. Exactly. It was reverse Christmas time in St. Louis with Santa Claus getting all the gifts. Uh, I don't think they're going to be uh, as lucky uh, this time around. That's why my three words were second season syndrome, where I think they're going to struggle mm-hmm. more in this second season. I think teams are going to figure them out more. And they're not gonna have as much, yeah, you know, luck on their side to start the season. And uh, yeah, I don't, I don't see them storming the league again, storm or at least storming the the Western Conference. I do think they they'll stay in the spots. I think yeah. they will make the playoffs, and they might feature in the top four, top five. But I think that um, yeah, Giankini leaving means that they're gonna have to bring somebody else to help Klaus out and Lovin out. And uh, and then that that will be determinant of whether they finish high or sort of in the mid of the playoffs. And I think with Lutz, it's like they'll he's got a good scouting network. He'll have someone coming in. Did we get your three words? I can't remember. Uh, no, I was just going to say uh, Berkey is Berkey. Oh, 
Berkey's the boy. Yeah, that works. Well, that is our very long Western Conference deep dive. Please don't add any more teams to the West. We can't do this anymore. We'll just wrap things up very quickly with a couple of final questions. Just quick answers from all of you. Western Conference winners. As much as it pains me, I think it is going to be Seattle. Yeah, I think just pipping LAFC. Although if LAFC fill those two DP spots with some miraculous guys, I think it's going to be them. Zach? Yeah, I think you guys are right. I think it's uh, the the battle of the last, whatever, four or five years or whatever it's been. It's the Flounders or the or the football club from Los Angeles. We'll start with you then, Zach, for the East. Who have you got to win that? Yeah, I know there's a lot of hype over, over Columbus and maybe repeating, and it's hard not mm. to it's hard not to feel that way. I'll, I'll, I guess I'll just, I'll say Columbus. I, 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 it's going to be wrong, but I would, I'll say Columbus. I, I'm, I'm Columbus as well, Philippe. Oh, guys, obviously it's going to be Inter-Miami. They have Messi. No. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> My three uh, words I... for Miami is not winning cup. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's true. Um, no, but yeah, I think Columbus are, are a very, very strong team. And I mean, they showed last year how strong they are and, Cucho Hernandez, he seems like he's going to be firing on all cylinders even more this season. Uh, yeah, it's going to be tough to bet against them with what they did. So I'm just going to go with the safe bet. I'm going to say Columbus. Yeah. My, my MLS Cup final and my winners, I think it could be a repeat of last year's final. Mm. And I, I can see it going the same way as well with Columbus winning. Yeah, I mean, I think it, it might go... Seattle instead of LAFC going that way. That would be horrible in their 50th anniversary year. You don't want success for them. No, I know. <laughs> I know. I know. I wish I could say the Whitecaps. I wish yeah. I had that much optimism. Um, mm. But I do think it might be Seattle instead of LAFC just because, again, if any of those games go to penalties, I don't think LAFC are winning that unless the penalty takers, you know, sky their shots. Uh, I'm pretty sure anybody gets a good power on it and Yoritz is not going to save them. So I think it's going to be Seattle against Columbus. Yeah, I, I think it, it would be great for everyone to see Seattle and uh, LAFC uh, be able to face off at some point in the, in the playoffs and, and kind of prove things uh, on, the, on the pitch of, of who's better between the two. Um, I, I, on the West, I'm also kind of hoping maybe Minnesota can do some damage and make a bit of a bit of a run. But ultimately, I think if LAFC does fill those spots, like you talked about, Michael, I think that they uh, they can make a three-peat uh, run to the final. Mm. And yeah, it, we'll say Columbus. Uh, but I also think Montreal could 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 um, could do something in the in the East if they if they get things if they pull things together a little bit. Well, that's our thoughts. Let us know yours. The usual places, AFT in Canada on Twitter, Stoke X, AFT in Canada at hotmail.com. Felipe, thank you so much for joining us for this part. Always appreciate your insight. Before you go, let everyone know where they can find all your stuff online. Yeah, for sure. Uh, you can find me on Twitter slash X uh, at uh, Felipe V underscore FC. Um, if anybody's interested in the Canadian Premier League, I have my own podcast in Coast to Coast FC. Uh, and uh, yeah, I'll be writing articles for AFTN on on the Whitecaps and uh, also got some stuff coming up on Northern Tribune for the national teams and CPL. So you'll probably see me 
just churning out articles, especially in the next few weeks with a bunch of season preview stuff. So I'm working hard, but I'm very excited. Ah, you love to see it. Well, thanks for joining us, Felipe. And talking to the national team, we're going to be chatting about the women's national team and some more legal fights. In the next part, we'll be joined by Darnell Smith and we'll also take you back to 1974. We'll be back with all of that after this. Hi, I'm to St. Ricketts and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. Welcome back to the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio 101.9 FM. Brought to you in partnership with recoveryfamilylaw.ca. And kicking off this part, we've gone all the way back again to 1974. And a song that reached the number one spot in the UK this week, 50 years ago, after four weeks of being in the singles charts. It just stayed there for one week. The song is called Jealous Mind. The artist, Alvin Stardust. That was his one and only number one single, taken from his Untouchable album. But he did have a string of other top ten hits. Maybe his most famous wasn't the one that got to, to number one, but the one that got to number two, My Cuckoo. Born Bernard Jury. He was a singer in the 1960s under the name Shane Fenton. Then kind of disappeared from the, the public scene, went behind the scenes as a producer and marketer before making a huge comeback in the glam rock era, creating a whole new persona for himself as Alvin Stardust. Very famous at the time and a very, very glam rock Look, if you haven't heard of him, like Google him as well. Sally died in 2014, age 72, but he's another one of those glam rock icons that you think about from 1974. Also, this week, 50 years ago, Terry Jax's Season in the Sun was still the number one song in the US, with Love United Orchestra's Love's Theme, the number one song here in Canada. An instrumental song that lasts about seven minutes. It's widely thought of to be the first disco song to hit the top spot. And I would have played it if A. It wasn't released in 1973 and was a slow burner that took a while to climb to the top. Most of it has to be said by 
word of mouth and kind of forcing the radio stations to play it. And also, we don't like MLS disco. That's enough to put me off all disco. So that was This Week in Music in 1974. It was actually a quiet week in Whitecaps land in 1974. No news to report from 50 years ago. So, yeah, we'll have to wait maybe another week, maybe even another two weeks before we get back into the Whitecaps 1974 stuff. We'll bring you bang up to date now with the, the big story or one of the big stories in Canadian soccer that broke this past week as the Canadian women's national team players have filed a lawsuit against Canada soccer, or rather, they filed a $40 million lawsuit against 15 current and former Canada soccer board members. Basically, the board members who signed the media and sponsorship contract back in 2018 with Canadian Soccer Business, The filing was done by the Canadian Soccer Players Association, the CSPA, which we should stress is the group, the union, representing just the female players. And the CSPA filed a notice of application against Canada Soccer on February 16th with a statement of claim against the 15 current and former board members on February 20th. Those board members include two former Canada Soccer Presidents and Stephen Reid and Nick Bontis, along with the current CSA President Charmaine Crooks, and obviously 12 other former board members as well. Both documents were filed in the Ontario Superior Court in, in Toronto, and the Statement of Claim lays out the CSPA's arguments for the current and former board members' alleged negligence. The Notice of Application is a request to the Court to allow the CSPA to sue those board members on behalf of the Federation itself. Now, the lawsuit alleges that the board members breached their fiduciary duty to Canada Soccer when they approved that CSB deal back in 2018, and they're seeking to hold those board members personally liable for the damage caused to Canada Soccer. Now, according to the Statement of Claim, the board failed to canvass the market for competing bids, they failed to conduct appropriate diligence with respect to fair market value of Canada Soccer's media and sponsorship rights, and they failed to make adequate disclosures to the membership of Canada Soccer and failed to follow necessary approval processes. The lawsuit says that the CSB agreement has a direct and negative impact on the budget, support and programming for the senior and junior national teams and has resulted in the unauthorised use of national team player names, images and likenesses by Canada Soccer sponsors, all without any direct benefit flowing to Canada Soccer, the national teams or their members. Now, according to the court documents, lawyers for the women's team players wrote to Canada Soccer on December 19th, advising that if progress was not made to amending that CSB deal, the players would reclaim their image, name and likeness rights from Canada Soccer on February 1st. And the letter warned them that they would then be obliged to advise all the sponsors to stop using any likeness and the players' names in their advertising. Now, on January 30th, a lawyer for the CPSA wrote to Canada Soccer, again giving the Federation a 14-day deadline 
to take legal action against the 2018 board. When the lawyer received no response from Canada Soccer, the players decided to move ahead with a lawsuit against the current and former board members themselves. Now, another aspect in the statement of claim is that Canada Soccer had said in its annual report that sponsorship revenue climbed 25% in 2014, 56% in 2015, and 15% in 2016. So the general feeling is that by 2018, the value of Canada Soccer was just increasing and should have been higher. They also allege that serious concerns were raised by some member of the board about the CSB deal, but that those were basically either not listened to or that the agreement was retroactively approved in February 2019, despite five members of the board reportedly having taken the position that the CSB contract wasn't properly approved at at any point. Now, there has obviously been a lot of chat about this deal. We know it was spoken about in Parliament last year, and the, the female players and the male players as well were hoping that this deal would, if not been ripped up, been renegotiated. But as of now, it would appear that that has not been the case, and that is another aspect to this filing. So, another week in Canada soccer, another week of legal issues. There's no better person for us to chat to on this. Darnell Smith, recoveryfamilylaw.ca, the sponsor of the show. When we brought you into this, Darnell, I didn't think we would be speaking to you so much about legal matters. I thought we'll speak to you about refereeing things over the course of the season. And now, the second time in a few weeks, you're on speaking about a big legal case in Canadian soccer. Crazy times. Well, well, thank you for having me. There's obviously better people you could be speaking to, but I'll, <laughs> I'll, you'll, you'll have to suffer through with me. You're, so you're, you my, you're my divorce lawyer. I have to keep you happy. <laughs> Fair <laughs> I just heard my wife upstairs just now, so I just started to throw that in, keep her on her toes. But yeah, Donnell... I know we were trying to get hold of the filing itself and it it takes a while to get it. So we won't go into a lot of specifics about this. I kind of want to keep this a bit general. But from what you've read and just from everything that's come out in in the couple of articles that did come out this week, what do you make about the the union for the, the women's players suing not Canada soccer itself, but the board members that were acting for Canada Soccer in 2018, from what I can gather, it it seems to be they're suing it for the Federation to try and save the Federation. Um, Yeah, it's an interesting tact. Uh, There's an idea called standing, and that's who has the right to bring an action on behalf of a certain thing. And so at least possibly there's an issue there of whether the, the, the women's players have the standing to ultimately bring the action against these board members. I would think they do because I would think they are governed by the uh, Canada soccer. Obviously they are governed by Canada soccer, but they aren't um, per se members. So the members of Canada soccer would be specific things. So, you know, BC soccer association is likely a member. I haven't actually gone through the um, articles incorporation or the, or the bylaws for Canada soccer to, to know but, but there's a question of standing. And then in terms of suing the actual specific directors, 
again, I'm not a corporate lawyer, but it's my understanding that directors have pretty good liability coverage mm. as long as they're acting in good faith and, and there's no sort of uh, fraud. So as soon as there's something like fraud, if I line my own pockets with the corporation, then that peels back the security that the corporation provides me and I may personally be responsible. And so um, from what we've read and, and what what I've seen, the, 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 the players are only indicating that there was um, a breach of the duty of good faith. And I'm not, I, I honestly, I don't even know if that's sufficient to pierce the sort of protections of the directors. It's not clear to me. I was looking it up in the, um, the, the federal guidelines for that. Um, and I, I haven't been able to come to a conclusion on it. From reading it, I, I, I worked for a, for a while for a, a non-profit. And I've worked for companies that's got non-profit boards. I, I, I worked for one just now. Um, not the board, but the, the company. I, I, know you, I know you can get director's liability insurance to protect you for, for things like this. But when something like this happens, especially in, in soccer, and you're, you're a local referee, you've been involved in soccer for a long time, you're going to know a lot of people that are, are on club boards, league boards, and stuff like that. Is this going to kind of put the wind up a few people as to, well, am I leaving myself wide open here for for getting sued for an insane amount of money by just acting on a board and trying to do the best for soccer? Um, so the lawsuit being started shouldn't scare anyone. It will depend how it comes out. If the court ultimately goes, no, there's no liability here and dismisses it early on in the procedure then that, that would tell us that, no, you should have no worry whatsoever. Um, you know, acting in faith as a board member is sufficient protection. If, you know, the court were to find that this wasn't in good faith and and and, and the, the allegations, the things like only one person signed it, it was never ratified mm. and a whole bunch of other things, you know, those are concerning, right? Mm -hmm. And so um, if you become a rogue on the board, yeah, you know, you, you might get hit for that. But but as long as you're doing things that are reasonable and, and and are in good faith, you probably have sufficient protection. And, and I, I would not discourage people from going and acting on boards. I think it's a necessary part of the largely volunteer-based program that soccer is, especially at the local level. Mm -hmm. Touching on that then, and obviously we don't know all the ins and outs and like, like us, you've just read things that's been reported for the, the last year or so. It, it was kind of mentioned that some of the board members, and it was mentioned in this filing as well, that some of the board members felt, well, this hasn't been done properly. And last year it kind of came out that maybe not everyone had voted on staff or signed things off. But when it's a board of 18 and it's meant to be like everyone has something, if they can prove or someone comes out and says, oh, I didn't approve this, or I didn't get involved in this. They've got a very good case in that in that aspect, you would think. Well, it would come down to the bylaws, right? If, if the bylaws say a quorum of directors is three directors, for instance, at a meeting, right. and, and, and how they could hold it, it, it would all come down to that. I, again, I, I'm not an expert in the Canada soccer bylaws. I have no idea what it might say. All 18 members must unanimously vote. And agree or or something like that and then yes there would be huge problems so it will depend on the specific reading 
of what they're entitled and not entitled to do. Um, and then there's an element of um, reliance that kind of goes on. You know, if there was an issue with this, why didn't anyone take more direct steps to say, hey, look, here's this problem. I know four or five people have said, look, we didn't do this appropriately, but but there was sort of a, it, it seemed to me, based on what I've read, there's a delay on that. And in addition, there's been no real steps taken to rectify that mm -hmm. issue. It's just been raised as an issue. Um, and again, I don't know what their obligations are in terms of active duty, active obligations to take steps to rectify things. But, um, it, it, you know, if you're a board member and you make a decision and that decision's carried on and five years later, somebody comes back, there's also limitation issues. So I was reading the Canada Not-for-Profit Corporations Act, and there's a bunch of limitations issues on on two years from from date that that things are voted on and 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 such. So I guess we don't know. It's possible, of course, that the lawsuit isn't advanced. And I'm not saying this is true. I, I don't want to be besmirching the the women's players or any players. It's possible that this was done to create notoriety and to gain traction so that they have a voice to to help their negotiations. It's possible that that's that's the extent of it. It doesn't mean that's true. It could be that they genuinely believe they have a case and they think their case is worth forty million. That's possible. It's also not clear who would get those damages. Yeah, it seems like it would go to the to Canada Soccer possibly, and then mm -hmm. again we get into standing issues. How do you sue for somebody else to get damages? Is a kind of interesting question. Yeah, I for filing something like this in in such a big court is that a costly process in itself or does it only get costly if it then gets heard in court sure um so the actual costs of of court are not expensive so i i don't know about the ontario supreme superior court which is where i believe it's filed it's in the toronto registry mm -hmm. but to file a notice of claim in the bc supreme court which is the equivalency i believe is $208. That's my filing fee to, to get it in. Wow. Thereafter, if I file an application, it's about $80. Um, if I file a response or affidavit, it's free. If I have to go to trial, I may have to pay witness fees. I may have to pay other things. But like the costs of those are very nominal. Like In the grand scheme of things, if we're comparing to $40 million, the cost of actually getting into court and being able to proceed, they're basically free. The legal fees on it, could be quite um, huge. Mm -hmm. I mean, they could have spent $10,000 in legal fees easily before they filed their claim. They could have spent hundreds of thousands of dollars in legal fees before they filed their claim. Um, I, I really don't know, and I have no ability to 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 comment on that other than that it, it can happen. Um, and again, the legal fees of going to trial can can be quite inordinate. But, yeah. but the actual fees of filing basically free right basically Darnell, when it comes to the fiduciary responsibility of, of a board like canada soccer it, my understanding is that in essence the csb deal and i and i admit i could be wrong i could misunderstand i could have false information but the cs the csb deal took uh things within canada soccer's uh uh streams of revenue and took some of them uh, from 
negatives from minuses and made them positives. So is it a case where, like, do the players have a case if actually Canada soccer is able to say, well, look, we, with rights and and sponsorship, we went from, just I'll just use round numbers, we went from $1 million revenue to with the CSB deal making $3 million or $4 million a year. Does that does that negate the case in and of itself? Um, no, because let's say, um, you know, I've never marketed myself. I've never done these things. And then with appropriate marketing, I could sell it for $10 million. And I only sell it for three because I um, my wife is on that and, and I want my wife to be profited. And so um, I want to make sure she gets it for a good deal. In that sort of circumstance, of course, if I'm, you know, negotiating with somebody that's an insider, my wife, for example, and I give it to them at a sweetheart deal, just because historically I was losing money doesn't mean going forwards I will. Where I think the issue you're you're primarily getting at is at the time, nobody knew that we would qualify for a World Cup and make a bunch of money. At the time, uh, it seemed like, you know, the world was falling in a way, Right. The, the the national team wasn't very successful. The um, TV audiences weren't very big. And so they're going, look, we need to find some way to to capitalize on the World Cup coming here. Right. And 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 so they're trying to capitalize on that. And as long as they did that in good faith and they weren't doing anything, you know, inappropriate, likely they're OK. It, it will depend on the circumstances of it just because. They made it more profitable than they were. Doesn't necessarily make it um, not problematic, but but it it certainly helps them. It's a good fact for the for the uh, board members. Yeah, because I mean, even up to this December, no no broadcaster in Canada was even willing to pay money to show Christine Sinclair's last match for the national team. Like the 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 broadcasting side, the sponsorship I know is a little bit different, but the broadcasting side of things has always lost the federation money yeah and they then they bundled that and turned that into a profit my understanding is even over above the sponsorship dollars they were currently making at the time so it just yeah. on the financial side of things it just it just you, you uh, what you're saying is important about sweetheart deal or whatever but also it's to me it's, so they, it's not just the sweetheart it's not a sweetheart deal when you're doing your job of investing in the game to grow the game even bigger in the country but and and they can't be hit for reaching a bad bargain in hindsight if it, it's dependent on the information they knew at the time mm-hmm. that they reasonably could have known at the time, right? If I bury my head in the sand and don't read a document that says this is worth ten million and sell it for two, okay, I got a problem. But as long as I'm doing things reasonably, I make a you know even if I make a bad decision at the time, you're protected. It's you know in hindsight. Lots of people make bad decisions. You know, I work in divorce law. Lots of people thought they should get married at the time. And then they come to me and they go, ah, not so happy with that decision, right? And they're not wrong for having got married or anything. It's the same thing here. If the board of directors go, uh, you know, we think this is a good deal. It's going to increase our profits. It's going to be great. But then, the you know, everything changes because the, the men's national team makes a World Cup. The, the women won the Olympic gold medal after this. I believe. Yeah. 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 After this. So, so, you know, both national teams have, have amazing success. That's unprecedented previously. Uh, well, largely unprecedented previously. And so, 
you know, they, they couldn't necessarily have anticipated that. They don't have to make a bargain going, well, if this happens, you know, it wouldn't be a great deal. Of course, but they didn't know that would happen. So, so there's an element of protection in what they knew at the time and reasonably ought to have known at the time. The interesting thing as well is that in the filing, in the statement of claim, the, they're saying that the annual reports have shown a 25% increase in sponsorship revenue in 2014, 56% in 2015, and 15% in 2016, but fail to mention what happened in 2017, which I'm thinking may have been a dip, which then doesn't really fit in with what they're trying to argue is that everything was rising. Well, 2016 was a World Cup year, wasn't it? Well, 2014 was the World Cup year, but the, the World Cup qualifying would have started in 2016. Right, 2015, sorry. 2015 was the Women's World Cup. Oh, yeah, 2015. Of, oh, yeah, 2015 was the Women's World Cup, which would explain the 56% increase in sponsorship. Exactly. Might, might. Yeah, so, you, you know, it, it's factually dependent, right? Stats, damn stats and statistics are, oh, you yeah. know, the easiest way to, to manipulate things, right? Yeah. I mean, well, we won't talk any more on it just now because obviously I think there's a lot more to come out, but... Much like the Media Pro and the the CSB case before it, it feels unlikely that this might actually get to court. I mean, what what's your gut on that just now? I mean, my gut on it is it won't get to court. I mean, ninety nine percent of things don't go to court yeah. or don't go to a trial. I should say, whether they have chambers hearings to you know require disclosure or other things, probably. But I just, I mean, it would be wrong to say it's likely to go to trial. That that's wrong. It just isn't true. Um, and so how they settle it, whether they settle it, you know, it, it'll all depend on what, what the parties actually want and how they want to deal with it. Yeah. But it certainly feels like they basically just want the deal ripped up or he heavily renegotiated and they've been pushing for it and it just hasn't happened. So this is to try and force it. But I guess we'll we'll see how it all plays out and who knows what other legal stuff we'll have to chat to you about on the show in the coming weeks and months. Just remind everyone where they can find you if they want to get your services for stuff legally. Yeah, so it's Recovery Family Law and it's recoveryfamilylaw.ca and, and info at recoveryfamilylaw.ca. Um, and that's how you can reach out if you need the assistance and we're happy to help you. Fantastic. Thank you to Darnell for joining us. Thank you for sponsoring the show. And yeah, let's just see where all of this goes. So it's never a dull time in Canadian soccer, Zach. I, I want to just, before we, we wrap up and, and finish the show off, we got two emails from Greg Petrie, Zach, preempting stuff that you might say about the lawsuit, and you haven't. But I just want to read what, what they say. The, um, Greg says that we often talk in the show that the women don't want to work with CSB um, in setting up the the new league and everything like that. But Greg just wants to say, I, I don't think it's that the women wouldn't work with CSB initially. It's that CSB had indicated they had no intention at this time of starting a women's league, which is totally fine and completely understandable. The CPL is an enormous investment and I can understand the CSB not wanting to take on more risk. But that doesn't mean others can't make the attempt. The attitude I get from CSB is the feeling that they should have exclusive rights to a women's league, 
even if they have no fixed plans on when they'd start one. I constantly hear, well, the CSB can't do it until it's profitable, but MLS is nearing year 30 and is still claiming poverty. So how long should the women be expected to wait? Every time I hear the complaint the women don't want to work with CSB, my thought is, well, the CSB didn't really seem to want to work with the women. I I don't agree with that. It's like I, I agree with a lot of what Greg says, but I don't think CSB have ever said we want the sole right to launch a women's league. Well, there's some things that Greg has said there that are factually wrong. The CSB or the um, Project 8 has said they refuse to, to work with CPL slash CSB. Um, like that's public knowledge. We've talked about that on the show in the past. We've talked about the issues that are uh, surrounding what's happening in Halifax in terms of uh, Derek Martin and his leadership of HFX Wanderers wanting to or having a, a, a women's team and wanting to ideally be a part of uh, our National Women's League. Also, um, a little bit factually wrong is uh, CSBCPL. Uh, yeah, they, they, it's true. They don't have a they don't have a, a a concrete plan right now. But as we've talked about on the show, there are owners within the CPL who do really, really want to have women's teams uh, as a part of their football clubs. They want to have a women's league in Canada. Derek Martin is an example of one. The BC teams, uh, I know, uh, have really wanted that. And obviously there have been others who have been unwilling. When it comes to MLS, it's a shell game with MLS. And the, C, uh, the CPL is not at the place where it, the, the shell game is, uh, has made them money, right? MLS, yes, lots of clubs will claim they've lost money on the operating side, but they've made money on the, on the sum side, right? And the, I don't think that is reported or known what that actually looks like. And I don't know if there's an actual way to know that. So it's a bit of a, yeah, you can say they lost money because that, that helps their business model. But really, a part of them is is making money. What what those numbers are, and is that in every club's case? I don't know. Um, CPL, which chose a similar, uh, they 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 they're they're trying to take the best of what MLS did and use that, and not make some of the errors that MLS did. Even though it's not even arguable, they have made some similar errors. Um, but see, that's what CPL is trying to do. That's why CSB exists. CSB is the Canadian equivalent of some. Mm-hmm. The reality is, though, at this stage that things are at, that C- CPL CSB is losing money on the operating side and still losing money on the the CSB side or this the sum side. So, yeah, I, I, yeah, there's there's a there's a lot there that I would I would disagree with, and I don't think is based in fact. But I mean, I I, I appreciate Greg's opinions and, and and him sharing and him sharing them, but. Um, yeah, I, I also, yeah, the, the desire within the, the league or the owners, uh, yeah, I think is, is that there are, there are people who do want it, but there's not, obviously not enough of them to make it yeah. happen. The, the thing with all of this, just the last thing we'll say on this for now is the, the national team players on the men and the women's side want the CSB deal ripped up and they're pushing hard for it to be ripped up. There's folk within Canada soccer that seem quite keen to get it ripped up. It doesn't seem to be a deal that you can just rip up. It has to be renegotiated. And the whole kind of feeling I have about this case is that it just looks like this is just trying to push 
the renegotiation to happen a little bit quicker because it's not happening as quick as those that want it to happen to happen. The, this is going to, I mean, it, it feels like this has been between the, the strikes and the, like the Panama game that didn't go ahead and just all the, the stuff that came out last year with the, the women before they were playing the She Believes Cup and it just feels like it's never ending and it's not great for the game. And as we always say on the show, this is the time where we should be celebrating Canadian soccer and growing. And everyone, everyone involved in this needs to sit down and somehow find a solution. I just don't know what that's going to be. Yeah. But yeah, we'll see how all this goes. And I'm sure it's not going to be the last time we mention this in the, the coming weeks and months. So let's finish on something I was going to say, let's finish on something happy, but it's not really. It's this this week's wavelength. And I'm doing something that I don't really do very often on wavelength, which is I'm playing a song for a second time in this segment. Mm. Because it's a, a song by English band The Others. And it's named after and kind of about English footballer Stan Boggs, mm. QPR legend, passed away on Saturday, age 75. He was one of those maverick football players from the 70s. Your George Best, your Rodney Marsh, your Stan Bowles. Absolute quality on the pitch. Off the pitch, liked to party, liked the ladies, liked to drink. Very hard to handle for managers. He, he was one of those players as well that never came over to play in North America, which surprised me because like Marsh was over here and... Um, Willie Johnston and George Best and these guys and they've got all their stories to tell he always played in England stand balls he was an absolute legend with QPR passed away on Saturday and this is a song by The Others called Stand Balls and it's about the, the lead singer Dominic Masters was friends with Pete Doherty from the Libertines who is a big QPR fan and actually wrote for a QPR fanzine back in the day and he spent time together and they used to go and play football in the park pretending that they were stand balls from 1975. Here's the others. Dark in your kitchen 
Others, Stan Balls, RIP to an English footballing legend. And Zach, we have to also say RIP to a German footballing legend that sadly passed away on Tuesday. I didn't find a song for him yet to play. <laughs> I might still be able to, I'm sure I can. Andreas Bremer passed away 63, seems just so young. A player played for so many top teams, played with Bayern for a, a number of years as well, played with West Germany in the Olympics, played with Germany and scored the goal that won Germany the World Cup in 1990 against Argentina. He's a true German legend, a true icon of the game in Europe and world soccer. We've lost a lot in the, the last couple of years and Andreas Bremer certainly another one of those. Yeah, um, yeah. This would be my my point as we end the show. Uh, obviously, it was just going to be to honor him. Uh, Andreas Bremer was a uh, yeah a part of a a really wonderful generation of German footballers who excelled at club level and for the national team. Yeah, he's most well known for that moment in Rome in 1990, uh, stepping up and and scoring uh, the penalty against I believe it was Goicochea from Argentina. Uh, to win to win Germany uh, the World Cup for the the third time, five uh, five minutes to go. I think eight fifth minute. I think it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was in the yeah. It was in the last four or five six minutes of of regular time. Um, and he took the penalty with his right foot. I guess. Well, first off, I think he took the penalty because Mateus was not fully like like up up to like fit. Like there was, I think there was something wrong with him or whatever. Like not just something maybe my like he think he was playing, but there was yeah he couldn't take it this is my, my recollection anyways um but he scored right footed which was interesting because andreas bremo was a, a left back and uh it, if you follow him if you follow him these last few years on social media uh he often likes to share stories of, of that lead into him 
um, kind of promoting his book, which is called like Two Footed, I believe is what his book's called in English. Um, but he was he was a tr he was a tremendous player. Um, one of uh, yeah, he played at Byron, obviously. But one of the things I'll remember him most for is uh, his uh, being a part of the Red Devils of Germany, which is FC Kaiserslautern or Eins FC Kaiserslautern, mm. um, where he was a part of the side that got relegated in 1996 at the end of the 1996 season uh, or the spring of 1996 then won promotion in 1997 back to the Bundesliga and then in 1998 along with players like Michael Ballack and I believe like Olaf Marshall helped uh Kaiserslautern on their first year back in the Bundesliga lift the Bundesliga trophy oh wow which was just which was just remarkable um but uh, that, that's one of the, uh, obviously scoring the World Cup goal and, and and playing for the national team and all that stuff is huge. Playing for Bayern, huge. That moment, Kaiserslautern is huge. But my personal one memory of Andreas Brema is I got to see him play one time, and that was in June 1994 at Varsity Stadium as Canada played Germany in what was a, a World Cup warm up match for Germany, and uh, we unfortunately <laughs> um, gave him acres of space in the first half to uh, put in one of his uh, trademark left-footed crosses to the back post where uh, an essentially unmarked Matthias Sammer uh, ghosted in to uh, to head home past Craig Forrest and put Germany into the lead. It ended up being the winning goal of the matches. Rudy Fuller added a second in the second half. Um, and I was in that end. I was, uh, I think, second row around the 18-yard box on the opposite side of the pitch from the cross. And, um, yeah, it was just... Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, that's a game I'll cherish. It was the first real football match I, I remember uh, going to. I think I went to one like Blizzard game or something before that. But that's the real first football match I remember going to, and it was just it was a star-studded side from Germany and also some very memorable Canadians. Um, but uh, that was one of the, the key moments. So I'm thankful that I got to see Andreas Brema, and yeah, really sad for uh, his family and. Um, uh yeah it's, 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 it's following beckenbauer's passing it's there's like german legend after german legend has kind of been falling and so just kind of kind of sad for the overall community but also just moments to be thankful for all that they contributed and all all that they did for the game have you read bremer's book or is it not in english i i, I haven't i don't know if there's an english version available i have not read it it's I'll, one i would one i wouldn't mind reading i'll try and track that down for you in english <laughs> that might be might be tough there's a there is a German novel about football hooligans that is in English that I was trying to get you one Christmas, but it's oh. sold out and I couldn't get it. So that's another oh. one I have on on a list to get you. You mentioned oh, about going to a Blizzard game. I, I've been to a Blizzard game. At what field? At Four Four East Fife. The snow was really bad. Really bad, yeah. Yeah, really bad, really really bad. And on that note, let's end the show. <laughs> end with a laugh. I was in a park today. And I told Caitlin a, a joke and a duck laughed. So that is my audience. Duck tails. <laughs> we'll be back with another show soon as the Whitecaps kick off their 2024 MLS season. Give us a follow on Twitter, AFTN Canada, youtube.com, AFTN Canada. Got some really good VMSL highlights from a top of the table clash on Friday night at Burnaby Lake that did not play out like a top-of-the-table clash, but a lot of good talent from League One in action in that game. Thank you for being with us. It's been another long one, but we will be back next week. Until then, take care, and mon.
their caps. Going to your first match is an experience you never forget. The atmosphere of what's going on around the pitch looks beautiful and you always look and go, wow, I'd love to play here one day. If you get the bug, it's going to stay with you for life.